to episode 120 of the Ram Nintendo Podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Angel. And this episode of the show is called The Twilight Zone, as I'll be sharing my impressions of The Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess HD for Ryu, and Angel, you're sharing impressions of a game that doesn't fit that name whatsoever, um, Mutant Mud Super Challenge. Um, well, it's kind of like an episode of Twilight Zone, um, there's mutant mud monsters, and boy, you have to save worlds. Fair. Might be a better fit than my... Tw- my just name association, so I'll give you that. But uh, yeah, the show actually has a lot more than that. Uh, regular episodes of the podcast may have noticed that last episode, things were a bit different than normal. We did our Pokemon Super Show of sorts, talk about the anniversary, but the the secret here is we recorded it before I went on vacation to South Africa, which means we completely ignored the Nintendo Direct that happened at the time, simply because we recorded before it, and we didn't know there was going to be one. So... This episode is almost like a bridge of stories, new and old, and that we we have things to say about the news in the direct. So we're going to talk about some new news, such as uh, Mitomo and NPD numbers and that sort of thing, and rumors about the NX. But we're also going to be sharing our impressions on some of the bigger stories than the Nintendo Direct. So more so than ever, I'd say use timestamps this episode because if you don't care about what we think about the direct, because it's oh it's been three weeks, it's old news, then you're going to want to skip around a bit. Um, also, make sure if even if you use timestamps, stay tuned till the very end or jump to the end. Because we are announcing the winner of our Pokemon Anniversary Show $20 eShop giveaway. We asked you guys to give your memories about Pokemon. Over 30 of you did. Thank you for that. And one of you at random will be winning. And we're going to announce who that is at the tail end of the show. So, uh, like I said, this episode is kind of a mix of old and new, new and old. So let's start with the new. And there's really nothing newer than the first time that Nintendo has ever, as far as I can recall, put out software on a system or on hardware they didn't make. But they did just that the other day with Mitomo in Japan, launched on the 17th of March, which was like three days ago. And um, it's out, and it's actually doing quite well. So the game app, whatever you want to call it, is already number one on the Japanese app store in Japan the day it came out. Is it that hard to make it, it well, number it, one Well, let me rephrase it. It was number one in the social networking category. It's hard when you're dethroning someone like Line Messenger. Like, you know how Facebook Messenger is always floating I'm on the trying, top here yeah. in the U.S.? I always hear about this Line thing. It's their Facebook the, Messenger yeah. equivalent. So dethroning that is a pretty big feat, and it's featured across Google Play Store and the Apple, uh, Apple App Store in Japan, and it's doing pretty well. So with it now out, we kind of get to see what actually is like in action, and it, it looks more appealing than I initially thought. Like, as we previously discussed, the core concept of the app is really just you pose ice, it poses you icebreaker-style questions, you answer them, and then those answers are shared with your friends. Like, that's what's been the pitch from the start. But what's been kind of interesting to see, for me at least, is that over these past few days, the mechanics of all the, of how this works have kind of come out, and the gamification of it. And there, it is a Nintendo product, which means that in the end, even though Nintendo didn't really talk about it, there's a game element in this thing. It's not just a Q&A, it's like a, it's like a gamified Q&A. The same way we fit, like, sort of made a video game out of exercise this is kind of doing like a video game of social networking conversations kind of so um from what i've seen and read i don't know if how much you've been tracking it but i've seen a few things i mean it just looks looks fun i I can't wait to just mess around with it yeah i was was tempted to do the whole changing my region to japan and downloading it but i figured why not just wait a little while yeah i was tempted to do that too and then i read that if you link it to my nintendo it, like, undoes all your progress you've made. Like, basically, if you get the Japanese version, you can't link it to American My Nintendo, obviously. But then when you link it to the American My Nintendo, it has to basically restart, because a lot of the milestones are, like, crossing between the two. So if you're restarting, why not just wait the week or whatever? Because it will be out here by end of March. But um, 
One thing I noticed from the Japanese one is, man, is it streamlined. You, you open the app and you're immediately making a me. You don't have to find friends. You don't have to, like, have usernames. It just pulls from Facebook and Twitter pretty much on the spot and you just have a network ready to go. It, um, it's, it, there's no region lock, no region block, so it's anyone on Twitter, anyone on Facebook. You don't have to, like, figure out which of my friends have Nintendo accounts. It's just everyone, which is kind of nice. And then the questions it's asking you are as nonsensical as you would think from Nintendo, but it just, like, kind of casually delivers them to you as you go about... You can either prompt them or it'll ask you, and it's, like, very... It's just very simple, I feel like. Like, it's really as streamlined as can be, because not only are there general questions, but occasionally if you see your friends me, it's going to be like, hey, do you have this question for just this guy that you want to answer, or something like that. So, there's one-on-one, there's group. It's, it's kind of impressive. And the motivation for answering all these questions, it turns out, is not just getting to know your friends... But coins are, there's its in-game coin currency that's kind of crucial for everything. Because you get these coins from answering questions or commenting on questions. And then with those coins, you buy clothing or you play an in-game, like, kind of like Plinko-style drop thing. It's called Mitomo Drop, and you literally drop your friend's Mii's, or your me, I'm not sure which, down like a board and you win coins. Hmm. So it's, so there's a little mini-game, and there's apparently more coming, that's just the first one. But it's kind of that, like, carrot on a stick loop. Where Game it's that like, you're going to have to pay for? No. Well, maybe, but right now everything's free to start, or free to play, in the sense that like you have coins, and you earn coins by answering questions, you earn coins through the game, you use the coins to buy clothing, and if you want to get more coins quicker, because answering a question only gets you 15 coins, which is like nothing, then you can buy coin packs starting at 1000 for a dollar and working up from there, and the bigger okay, packs so it's one of those where if you're patient enough, you can get yeah. everything for free otherwise... Yeah. It's a standard mobile game, which I'm guessing is where D, uh, DNA's expertise came in in terms of how to handle that, the transactions and all that. But yeah, it's uh, it seems not crazy. And then you can also link it to my Nintendo to get Nintendo character merchandise. That's So you're not required to have my Nintendo, which is something we were talking about last episode. Like, why would they not require it? And that's because they want people to just use it and use Miis and get their, you know, the Nintendo name out there in the mobile world. But... If you link it to my Nintendo, then you get all the Nintendo goodies, like the Mario hat or the whatever costume. And it kind of works both ways in that you'll unlock stuff in Mitomo for linking my Nintendo. And by completing things in Mitomo back on my Nintendo, you'll earn points that get you digital game downloads, including, apparently, entirely new games. Not only do they have, like, virtual console games and that sort of thing available, but they released a Pacross, a Zelda Twilight princess themed Pacross game for 3DS that's only available on my Nintendo. Hmm. Now, I can see why it's only available on my Nintendo. How many people are actually going to go out and buy a Twilight princess themed Pacross game specifically? <laughs> Who was that for? But I, I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> but, um, yeah. It's such a game. specific... Well, I mean, Picross is pretty popular in its no, own No, no, I mean, I, mean, yeah. I get, I get but Picross, but I mean, like, specifically Twilight Princess, you'd think they'd make, like, just a Zelda, like, in general, for kind of how... You would? It's like... You if, would. It's like if this most recent Pokemon one was just Pokemon Black and White Picross or something. Well, I suspect they're... That's actually kind of funny. Hey, you operate uh, Picross of just Y version? <laughs> Not even X, just Y? No, I suspect it's because... I don't know if you've seen any screenshots of Zelda Picross, but it's literally, like... Here's the bridge from Twilight Princess in the background. Solve some number puzzles on top of it. Like, it's screenshots with the cross on top. It's super low budget. But if it's free, and you earn it by playing Tomo, then yeah. extra publicity, cross-promoting for Nintendo. But yeah, so all that coin stuff is kind of what's moving you to do Tomo. Now, on top of that, there's a whole level-up system, like in a video game, where you can level up. Uh, the more clothing you have, the higher your style level. The more friends you have, the higher your popularity level. 
and all of those contribute to a general level, and the more you level up with that, the more bonuses you get, but we don't know what those bonuses are yet. So, long story short, there is some game elements to this. It's not just talking, even though at the end of the day it is just talking, <laughs> in that, like, the Miis actually talk out loud in those mm -hmm. little Tamodachi-like voices, which I didn't know was the case until I watched the video right before recording this, and I was like, oh, that's actually kind of funny. Because they were, um, the dude from IGN, um, Jose, the, not you, the, the... Otero? Uh, yeah. He posted a video of a conversation thread he was in where it's all these me's and their adorable voices talking about Donald Trump. <laughs> it's just like, regardless of what you think of Trump as a person, like, it's just funny to even them having this conversation about, like, deep political views and their, like, in their little squeaky, uh, Tomodachi-like voices. But anyway, yeah, so it's, um, now it just needs to come to the U.S., I feel like. It's weird, because... I'm used to apps since they're digital just being out everywhere at once. Like, I understand region, regional things. If it's like, we're launching it in Japan because it's only in Japanese and you can only get it on Japanese store shelves currently. But the app's fully translated. It detects your phone language. The app store is worldwide. It's weird that, like, I can't access this thing on the app store that, like, other people that happen to have made a Japanese I mean, Apple ID can access. Most apps, though, in general? Yeah, yes and no. There's a there's some that are universal. I mean, a lot of companies like Facebook and stuff will test different features in different regions. Like, for example, you know how Facebook has those new, uh, the like button you can now do, like, wow, haha, -ha, like all the emojis? That was live for Ireland and New Zealand app about a month before the U.S. to test. So that's one thing. But it seems weird that Nintendo's not seizing the virality that's already happening. Like, I'm seeing a ton of Mi Mitomo and Photo stuff on Twitter already. And it just seems weird to me that Nintendo's like... I understand they're doing it to protect their servers and not have an overload and not crash and burn. But it just seems a little weird to me that they're not taking advantage of that hype and game. They just keep saying, this month, they'll be out this month. And granted, there's oh, only like, I mean, at least this way, left. when it comes out, they'll get like a second wind. That's true. That's true. Right now, it could be buzz building. You can think of it that way. Early buzz. But either way, I just want to play the thing already. So, um, I mean, by doing it this way, um, like I mean, it kind of got me more set afraid, even though before I was... Mostly neutral on it. Right. But see, now I have to sit there, though. You, it's like... It's like... It's kind of like when you hear something on the radio, an ad for something, and it's like, oh, that sounds really cool, but now I have to remember to do it when I get home. Like, yes, right now, it's like, oh, yeah, I'm interested now, but in 10 days, we will care because we keep up with these things. Listeners will care because they keep up with these things. But if Average Joe stumbles across Wall Street Journal's article about Mitomo or Bloomberg saying it's a hit or whatever, and they're like, oh, that sounds kind of cool, in 10 days, they're going to see a second article from Bloomberg. Like, remember that thing we told you about? Well, now it's available if you want to try it. Like, there just seems... Like, for us, it's fine because we're keeping pace. But for them, it's I like a you, disconnect. I got you, But, mm. yeah. So it just seems like a weird... I mean, I'd rather Nintendo didn't have server issues and didn't ruin their product and do the staggering. But at the same time, it's just kind of like... It'd be awesome if it just was here now, I guess. Well, it but, is what it is. But, yeah. I, I am getting excited for it, though. Like, it, it looks like... There is actually some meat weight, oh. yeah, meat on the bones. There's some stuff going on. There's stickiness, as the phrase goes, in terms of things to actually make you come back. And um, what's interesting is apparently Nintendo's planning to keep that stickiness and keep people engaged over a long period of time. Because Reggie was saying to Time Magazine, Reggie being Nintendo's Reggie Fusume, um, was saying to Time that they're viewing Mitomo as a service, not as a one-off app. So ultimately, what they're going to do is they're going to have five apps out within the next year or so. Um, and apparently, according to Bill Trend, they made a different interview. They're all going to target different groups in some ways. So there'll be overlap among fans and gamers and stuff. But they're also going after certain people in certain situations or certain people in certain demographics. And 
they plan to have all five of these running concurrently as services for the foreseeable future. So Matomo, in theory, will get new minigames, will get new clothing items, will get new My Nintendo tie-ins, probably more across games themed after other releases or something. But um, but then separately they'll have these other four apps that are more game-like, or more this, or more that, or more the next thing. And all of them will run at the same time. Uh, Reggie used the example of it's like having Mario Kart, Smash Bros., and Splatoon all have DLC simultaneously. Hmm. Which they didn't exactly do, because Kart stopped before Smash and Splatoon took off, but... I get it in theory. I get what he means. This generation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, so it'll be cool to see what happens. And Nintendo's ultimate goal is to re-engage people with the Nintendo brand. So if this thing does go viral like it's starting to, especially if it's in groups of friends, I can actually see it being really fun if all your friends are in it or at least a good enough group where you're actually commenting and stuff. Like, I can see our group chats on Facebook. If we could convince our friends to switch over, I can see them messing with it at least for a little while. Yeah. But, but yeah. So that, in a nutshell, is my spiel on Mitomo. I mean, we I went from being totally apathetic about it to being kind of like, I'll try it, to now actually being gen- genuinely excited for it, which I feel like is a Nintendo hype cycle to a T, where well, they keep too quiet too long, and then I you're welcome, oh, crap. I, I always welcome another thing I could just sift through my phone whenever I'm like, all right, I caught yeah. up with Twitter, and that's, I mean, that's kind of usually it. Yeah, I now mean, that you've deleted Hearthstone. Oh, well, it'll be, so, back. It'll so, be back eventually. So, for those who don't know, Angel's an addict, and he is recovering, a recovering addict. <laughs> Do you want to tell your Hearthstone yeah, so, tale? So, I've talked about Hearthstone here in the past, and most of yeah. you know what it is. It's just a collectible card game that's free to play. And I haven't spent any money on it, but I have put a ton of time into it, enough to... Well, what... Well, anyway, point is, I was just playing it. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I try, was trying to think of a, a good way to explain it, but long story short. Well, it's one of those things, like, when you start talking about the dictionary out loud, it may make you laugh, so you just don't want to talk about it too much. I understand. Yeah, it, was, it was just, like, um, a worse, it was worse than Smash Bros. or other games where you would say, like, all right, I'm just going to play a match, and then you play for, like, two hours, and you feel bad. That, yeah. was, that, was, that was Smash Brothers. This one was like, all right, I'll do a match, and, th- and that should be it. But I just... And then five days later... Yeah, you, you basically <laughs> just, like, never really stop. Like, I played, I, I mainly played all, like, almost all throughout work. I played when I was supposed to be doing, like, homework assignments. Like, I had, like, a six-hour gap that I wanted to just work on homework. And four of those hours ended up just being wasted to Hearthstone. So, I mean, yeah. as horrible as that is, better that than heroin, I guess. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Not only that, but, um, like, thanks to Hearthstone, um, my battery would never make it through the workday, I would always have to take a charger, and I would take a charger just so I could continue playing. And my... So you had an enabler in the form of a plastic cord? Yeah, so I, and my data consumption just like, went through the roof, but luckily... Didn't you go through like 30 gigs Yeah, it's like 30 gigs. Yeah. Just, let's take a moment to let that sink in for listeners. 30 gigs in a month. I don't even think... I mean, you're on Sprint, which has unlimited, so... But I don't even think most people use a third of that in a month. Like, that's crazy. Yes, I've been uninstalled it, and but the worst part is that there's a lot of cards that get me riled up because there's, there's a lot of balance issues, and right. and they've been addressing that, and they are gonna address it in like the next in the next set that's gonna come out in a few months and or that's a few weeks, laps. and then that's when I'm gonna go back into it because a lot of those problem cards are gonna be fixed. So for now, so to put it in in terms of actual understand, it's like you know you you you're doing whatever drug you're doing and there's a bad strain you have to wait for it to weed itself out of the supply and then once the strain is gone you come back and you have the good clean stuff again well hopefully breaking bad is talking yeah. so much well hopefully um, it won't be as bad when, when I go back in but oh it will 
It's gonna be worse. You're gonna double down because if you if you take a break and come back, you go harder. That's how overdoses happen. Don't overdose on Hearthstone. I don't know what happens if you overdose on Hearthstone. No, it, it it might be better. I mean, they're gonna Hearthstone is doing a a new. They're following Magic: The Gathering footsteps, and they're gonna do a renewable system where every two years the last sets are gonna be gone forever. Oh, I and see. I at one point I may not want to just keep up with that kind of with the cards right. anymore because I don't want to have to like invest a lot of money into it right which i haven't have to have done so because right now you, any card is like everything goes but <laughs> like half the cards that i also really like are also going to be gone forever so it's kind of like a it's a nifty situation i may like the new format i may not and that may be it so, so. to tie it back into mitomo what are the odds that mitomo can be what keeps you grounded because if you if let's say we get friends on there to actually respond well it'll, it'll definitely be it'll be like <laughs> keep pulling you out it'll be like two minutes of like twitter i catch up then i'll be like all right let's check out what's going on in mitomo i check that out like two three minutes and, and then, then six hours of her and then back to her song <laughs> oh that sounds dangerous well you might be the person in terms of talk about re-engaging with nintendo if you're living inside her stone like this hey man they but they made a good game they yeah, yeah. they did so I've heard at least from you yep. primarily, but you're an addict. So, but um, for those of us who are still engaged with Nintendo and not buried in deep down and didn't go deep down the Hearthstone rabbit hole, um, they have news for us too. Nintendo does this. This is dipping back into uh, a, a little older news, but we did want to talk about um, the direct. The direct the, um, yeah, the direct right before we said the direct, I did want to sure. just bring up one quick little thing. Yeah. Um. So. It's regarding Smash Brothers, and I guess how they just like, came up with a patch out of nowhere. Yeah, that like, was weird. Because I remember, like, in that last video direct, like, Sakura came out on his column and said, like, there's going to be no more patches. And, yeah. I mean, maybe that we just mistranslated that as the most recent patch that came out with Bayonetta, that was it. Maybe this patch that well, just came out was literally what that would mean. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. I mean... Unless there's a yeah. game-breaking element that they had to fix. Well, that's the thing, like... Cloud was out for a while before Bayonetta came out, and yeah. Cloud got no changes when Bayonetta came out, even though a lot of other characters like saw tweaks. Yeah. So we figured like, all right, I guess Cloud's perfect. And then this patch came out of nowhere, and like Cloud got like super nerfed, Sheik got destroyed, Bayonetta got like super nerfed. Like, everybody got like I nerfed and buffed. A lot of the characters got some buffed. of that was planned for the Bayonetta update and didn't make it in time, so it's almost like a and then they saw how yeah, Bayonetta was I mean, like, well, while we're at it, let's fix Bayonetta. Yeah, because there were a ton of changes, like, just all around, like, between yeah. those last two patches, so like, I could see how they would have let that I out. I feel like Nintendo's doing that a lot lately, because in the Direct, we're not going to really touch on it much. Like, when we talk about this Direct, we're only talking about, like, the things that we actually have thoughts on, opposed to just a rundown, like we usually do. Um, you know, because it's been a few weeks, but, like, things they mentioned, like, okay, so Mario Maker has another update with keys and doors and stuff so you can have essentially boss battles which is cool and they have pink key uh, pink coins to get keys and all sorts of cool stuff but then they also spent some time talking about splatoon getting an update and much like smash brothers splatoon was supposedly done so i don't know what nintendo's doing like it's the same thing with smash like they're going back it's almost like they realize well you know we can keep fine-tuning things and continue this idea of games as a service even though we said we're done, maybe maybe we should revisit that. Cause like Splatoon, they're doing big changes. They're raising the they're like raising the um, the, the level cap, the stats. No, they're raising the stats of the weaker weapons. They're gonna have Sheldon recommended um, kits or bundles. Uh, or... Yeah, bundles of weapons, like all this to promote lesser used weapons. It's almost like with Smash first and now Splatoon, it's almost like they're going. Well, people are gonna tire of these games. What if we like switch things around so stuff they're not used to playing with they have to play with now almost to refresh the game? 
Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think that's what they're doing with Smash entirely, but for Splatoon, it definitely feels like they're doing that. Like, well, we have no new content, so let's just cycle in the lesser content but make it better. Yeah. I wonder if Smash is kind of the same idea. I mean, it hasn't really lost tragic in, in, in the fighting game community, so yeah. I'm assuming like they still see the support it's getting, and it's still coming out in Evil this year, right, so... Right. And they're like, you know, you should kind of tweak it, especially because... I mean, people have been pretty a lot about, like, oh, Sheik this, Sheik that, and obviously right, now. Right. And now less. It got, it got Diddy Kong, and no. Yeah. The fact that Diddy Kong is now a verb describing yeah. nerfing is. It's poor Diddy. Um, <laughs> it's yeah. just, a, just a, the state of things. It, it, it is, is interesting, though. Yeah, I, I don't know. I find it interesting that um the game, or at least, like, if you play the game a lot, like, like it's somewhat competitively, because mm-hmm. even some people would notice the changes, but the game changes a lot between patches, like, I don't know. I guess it's something I never, re- I kind of took for granted until Smash Brothers, because now I'm playing a game that actually gets patched a lot. Yeah. I mean, I played PlayStation All Stars, or I've seen like people play Street Fighter, but since I didn't really play it super competitively, I didn't really notice those big difference. Right, right. I've heard people Smash. talk about them, but they're like, "Oh, they completely made this character useless." And it's yeah. like, "Oh, yep. Now I know exactly what they mean." You feel their pain. Well, I felt the benefit since Bowser went from. Like, oh, Bowser actually got better. Oh yeah, he got way better. Like, oh. He went from not really I having it. Patch, so. He went from not having any follow-ups with throws to like being able to grab someone like at over eighty percent and just up throwing them and killing them. What? So yeah, like a kill come from throw. Oh basically. man, I don't want to play against you anymore because that's like that's like an insta kill when they're over eighty. Basically, yeah. Uh, it depends on the character, <laughs> but right. yeah, you throw them up and then you jump and up a them, and yeah, there's nothing they can do about See, it. See, there, that almost proves my point that they're like taking the, the characters that people played less because you use Bowser a lot, but everyone's all like, you've said it on the show before. Everyone's surprised when you show up as Bowser in a tournament or whatever, and then like when we were at Comic Con, oh, yeah, like a lot of Bowser. like a lot of those underused characters yeah. got a ton of both. Like Zelda kind of got the same thing, yeah. where before she didn't yeah. really have any throw follow, now she could down throw into like her heel spur, and that like kills really fast. This is making me double down on my theory that they're purposely, like, cycling out the common characters and cycling yeah. even lesser ones yeah, that like, people keep playing. Yeah, like, Ganondorf also yeah. got a lot of buffs. Charizard got a ton of buffs. Mewtwo's getting so many buffs that he's appearing in tournaments now. Like, I've, I've never seen so many Mewtwo's, like, Yeah, and this platoon has the same thing. Yeah, and and, before, yeah. Huh, yeah, this is definitely a conscious thing on Nintendo's part. Yeah. I mean, Very it makes for more interesting thing. I mean, no one wants to see Grand Finals where it's all Sheiks and Zeus and Samus and yeah. Selena's. Yeah. I mean... Keeps yeah. things fresh. Yeah, it. part of a game's success is the spectator side, too, as much as... Oh, the, yeah, especially in, like, the fighting world. Yeah. 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 But in addition to refreshing just their older games, they also announced some new information on new games, and entirely new games, in the Direct. So we did want to talk about some of the Wii U and 3DS stuff that was announced in the Direct a few weeks ago, because we do have thoughts on them. Starting off with probably the Wii U game that had the most time spent on in the Direct, which is Star Fox Zero. So it's probably become abundantly clear to regular listeners over the last few episodes that um i'm super excited for star fox because i love 64 and this is kind of like it and you angel and elvis who isn't on this episode this time are a little uh not excited <laughs> about star fox but then they announced a bunch of stuff in the direct that i almost wonder like did everything they nintendo showed did that change your tune at all are you actually more interested in star fox now than they were because not you get um, zero, but you're also getting yeah. When when guard. They, as far as any Star Fox Zero news, um, I, um, the, the game looks pretty, but I still have like no interest in it. Uh-huh. But then they, but then they showed us like what Star Fox Guard is, or that Project Guard is now right. Star Fox Guard, and, right. and which was and, bound to happen because they already no, yeah, had yeah. Star Fox branding in it. And and I'm actually really interested in that. So I actually go went to pre-order Star Fox Guard, and they're like, oh, it comes with Star Fox Zero, and I'm yeah. like, oh, all right. 
Like, Why oh, not? that's interesting. So this $15 game cost me 60 but it comes with another game? Okay. Yeah, so I was like, all right. I mean, it, it comes with Star Fox Zero, so I may as well play Zero at this point. Right, but, right. I mean, yeah, it's, but it's, the Star Fox Guard is definitely what, what, what won me over. You just really love the name Grippy Toad, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> that's all it is, right? I don't know. Can we, can we just for a minute... I mean, I understand... Slippy and Grippy. It's, it's so stupid. <laughs> I get that they're opposites, but... Yeah, um. it's just like... and they're Yeah, it's just so bad. But like... Project Guard turning into Star Fox Guard is definitely an example of Nintendo doing gameplay and figuring out, okay, how can we make a story fit? Because, like, just as I was watching them talk about Guard in the Direct, which, by the way, I did manage to stream live in South Africa in my hotel room at, like, 12.30 in the morning. It's super choppy, but I saw Grippy in all his glory, and um, it's just like... So the, the premise of the game is really cool, I agree, in that you're basically given these maps... They have to move cameras around on the gamepad, and the cameras are looking for enemies that are trying to invade these areas, and they automatically shoot. They're actually called protocams, protect cams, protect cams, and they shoot. They look and shoot automatically. They're like turrets. So, so it's like you're tower defense. It's tired. It's a tower defense game. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's a tower defense game on two screens. So the game, the TV. For those who haven't seen it, the TV you got twelve, all twelve camera views at once. The gamepad, you're moving the cameras around. You're looking out for enemies. And it's actually pretty flushed out now compared to the demo in that, I don't know if you noticed because I didn't touch on it in direct, there are a bunch of different types of cameras and different types of enemies. So you can have the stationary cameras, you can have sniping cameras, you can have a camera that rides a robotic bird's back. And then you use all these cameras over the course of 100 stages to um, deal with different types of enemies, some of which are invincible certain things, some of which are invisible, some of which are this, some of which are that. So it's actually pretty flushed out at like 15 bucks. But... Um, the thing that I found kind that of... That gripped you? <laughs> they, yes, they, it, it's, the concept grips me, yes. But the thing I found funny about it is like, so all this sounds great, but then Nintendo has to shoehorn in a Star Fox theme because it's bundled with Zero. So, okay, it makes sense. It's sort of sci-fi, but just to have like, hey, you know Slippy? Well, guess what? His uncle Grippy happens to mine in, like do space material mining. And guess what? Robots want to steal what he's mining. So, here's Project Guard retrofit as a security system for Grippy. It's just like, it's, yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know how you would make this game have a good premise anyway, but that one just struck me as kind of funny. Like, I guess because we've known Project Guard for two years, it just feels very shoehorned in. But, yeah. but, you know, that's okay. It looks really fun. And it is, if you want it by itself on the eShop, it is only 15 bucks, which is a pretty good deal for that much content. Especially since I didn't even mention the whole, like, custom level thing. Yeah. There's that whole online component. Well, so far, they've only said that you could change what robots go in and what order, but they still haven't really... I mean, I was rewatching it in my way, so it doesn't sound like you could build your own maps yet. It just yeah, they were like, really cryptic about it, which is why I didn't really yeah. mention it in detail just now. Because, like, I don't, they said layout can change. They didn't say level can change. The layout of the robots, and I think the camera's default positions, you have... Or maybe it's just the enemies. You have control over something. You have control. You definitely have control over the enemies. Yeah, but they don't say you have control over the map. But you can upload your le- your 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 loadout. Your loadout, but not the level. I I don't know. It's weird. Um, but either way, that just means infinitely more puzzles, kind of. So for fifteen bucks, again, good deal. Yeah. And then Star Fox Zero on the eShop will retail for forty. But if you buy one. You automatically get a five dollar discount off the other, so you either buy them physically in a store together, which is what I'm gonna do, or you end up getting them for the same price digitally. So mm-hmm. it's kind of a. But those who hate zero, and just want guard, will pay five dollars extra. <laughs> so it's your punishment, it, exactly. But for me, guard is really kind of icing on the cake. I mean, you like, can also get a Star Fox patch if you pre-ordered at GameStop. That's true. Yeah. Or I can get twenty percent off if I get it at Best Buy or Amazon. 
<laughs> but the patch is kind of tempting. Except I already pre-ordered it. At, did I pre-order it yet? I should maybe get on that. Mm. Anyway, uh, for me, Guard is kind of icing on the cake, though, is what I was starting to say. Like, extra variety on top of a game I already was very excited for is great. But for me, like, Star Fox Zero on its own is pretty much the sequel I was wanting. Like, we talked about a little in the past how, like, I, you know, I played it, the, the motion control sure of a little to get used to, but, like, Star Fox 64 has always been my favorite game in the series. So to see them revisit the original planets, but now have these new maps and, um, you know, taking the original cast of characters, but doing a new story that's all about, like, why General Pepper kicked Andross out. Like, all that stuff, to me, is pretty pretty awesome, because I like 64 a lot, and this is, like, the spiritual successor slash reimagining slash remake, whatever you want to call it. It's a whole new game, but it's all familiar concepts, I guess. Yeah. So so that's cool with me, and, and like, also, it seems like Nintendo's purposely doing fan service with this, with this thing, which, for me, again, is great, because, like, they brought back the entire cast of Star Fox 64, like the voice cast. They're all doing the new one. Um, scanning the, you know, doing things like scanning the Fox Amiibo will get you the polygonal Super Nintendo R-Wing, complete with the, like, sound effects and, like, the music goes all bleep bloopy. Like, that's kind of a I cool feel like nod something that well. like, could have been in there, like, 100% the game and you lost that. Of course I'm, I mean, they, I mean, they all do, but... It's the plastic paywall we've complained about before. I'm mm-hmm. going to bring that up, actually, when we talk about Twilight Princess later, because... They do it again with the um, with the like difficulty stuff, but uh, yeah, but just the idea. Never mind how you do it, but the idea that you can unlock that and that the Falco or uh, Amiibo is going to do something different like that too. I'm just like, oh great, this is literally like my dream Star Fox game, except with the uh, you know the. Motion Glad controls. one of our dreams came true. Well, it's interesting because I feel like they're trying to address you at least a little, because like I remember when 64 3D. 3DS remake came out and you bought it. When we talked about it on the show, correct me if I'm wrong, but you were saying one of the things that kind of bothered you was how short it was, right? Uh-huh. And the replayability and stuff. It seems like with this one, they're still doing like, oh yeah, it's going to be really quick to get to Venom. But then like the idea of branching path, Miyamoto kept talking about that. It really seems like it's way more in depth. Like it's not like this game could be actually kind of meaty in the different routes you can take. Because like now they have teleportation portals, which they keep staying, saying are crucial to the story. But I'm pretty sure they're going to be crucial to those branching paths. My gut feeling is, like, you're flying through Corneria, you fly into one of the portals by doing a certain chain of events, and then, boom, you're suddenly, like, in some backside of Venom that you never knew was there and doing some other weird thing. And they could really, like... It could be, like, a huge number of levels if you think about it. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if that would at least... It won't be your Star Fox Assault situation where you have on the ground and everything. I mean, they, I, they, I, mean, they, I mean, no, not really. Because um, <laughs> the game's length is still the same. It's just what path you take. Well, no, no, no. That's no, I know. Well, yes, but it you gotta treat it more. I guess because you're looking for more of an assault, heavy-handed story, drawn-out thing, versus this where it's almost like an arcade me, experience. Yeah, where like you're still making me start the game over and end it like over but and it, over again. Yeah, I guess. That's I mean, point. like like yeah, they're different paths, but I'm still gonna have to play through the same parts of levels over and over true, again. True, true. And even if they have the different, vehicles, I mean, that, I mean, that, I mean, yeah. I mean, that's not. A big, I think that's. I wouldn't say that's necessarily a deal breaker. It's just, um, I don't know. I'm not a, a score attack kind of person. Well, like, I never played it for the score either. I just, I, yeah, I guess. Well, either point. way, like one thing that I did see in the last bit of footage that did kind of catch my attention was, um, I guess the play between um, chicken R wing and regular R wing, and there were some parts where. Um, they were fighting him. It was like a free flow. Free... It's in uh, target mode is what they call it. Yeah, target mode. Yeah. You were just flying around and then there were parts where you had to like pretty much park at the 
on the great fox and then shoot off some little bugs as chicken or wing and then mm-hmm. chicken or so it, it was kind of like the equivalent of like running around doing something on foot well, and the then and then one going. Does feel like that. I could attest to this. No, yeah, that's it. So, yeah. it, so it kind of felt like there were they they kind of had that two mode thing going on where yeah, I mean you still have a flying and an on foot, but I it mean, almost seems like it's a not, in the same way that like the voice cast or like the the polygonal R wing like nods to Star Fox Pass. It almost feels like the the, the chicken is a nod to assault without fully going yeah, back to so assault. So like so while like. I mean, I'm definitely going to play it, and then we'll see how it goes. But while it looks like my issues with Star with Unreal Star Fox in yeah. general are still there, it looks like I'll, I'll probably enjoy it more than the original Star Fox. I mean, right. Star Fox 64, yeah, just because yeah. it kind of addresses some of those issues. But, I mean, that doesn't take away what type of game it is. True. That's fair. That's fair. I will say, though, the game does look a lot, regardless of your stance on it, you have to admit, it looks a lot better than it did at E3. I mean, like... One of my biggest complaints when I played it the first time was it felt empty, and now it does not feel as empty. There are way more enemies on screen. There's, like, stuff happening. It feels a little more alive. And from what I was reading from previews, um, it seems like the motion controls actually were kind of fixed. Like, when I played it at E3... So all those rumors are like, oh, it's going to get delayed. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, a few days later, bam. Well, I don't know. Those could have still been true because they could be refined and just still not perfect. Because what's interesting is Nintendo only let, pl- <laughs> only let the press play as an R-Wing. They had no Who put real... this extra zero on the code? And then they erased it, and then everything's fixed. And everything's fixed. Yeah, yeah no, um, but... Yeah, there are rumors going into the Direct that, like, oh, Nintendo's deciding today if they're going to delay the game or not. And it does seem like they, they made some big changes. Like, the controls are more sensitive. They were smart enough to put a recenter button. If you hit Y, it'll recenter everything for you. Kind of like in Splatoon, where you can recenter the gamepad at any time with a button press. Yeah. So they're doing that, which was def- definitely needed. And honestly, the motion controls, like, I got used to them at E3. It took a while, but I did get used to them, and that wasn't so bad. Like, the idea of having it split where you're shooting one way and flying another way, target mode, which is used for all the boss battles and things like what you were describing with the chicken R-Wing up on the Great Fox, and when you battle Star Wolf, that's crucial. Target mode's crucial for all those, and you need the split. Let's call it chicken wing. Chicken wing. You need... (laughs) That's pretty good. You you do need that split, because, like... You're doing dramatic... In target mode, you do like all these dramatic flybys on the TV, but you're aiming with the gamepad. There's no way those could be one and the same, the way it's built currently. So motion control, I see why they've tried to refine it so much. I also see why it's in there. They have confirmed it will not... There's no way to opt out. You have to have motion control in some form. There's a co-op mode where only one of you flies and one of you aims using different controllers. But if you're playing solo, you are doing both. You kind of have to, but they at least made it better. So... Between that and, like, the enhanced visuals and the cleaned up, uh, or the busier stuff going on, I- I'm pretty hopeful. I, uh, I'm, I'm excited. I was excited, but now I'm like, okay, maybe there's actually hope. Although they didn't let the press play as anything but the R-Wing and I think the chicken wing. So I'm not quite sure what that means about how the other vehicles control, like the drone, where you actually mm. use the gamepad. Like, that one I'm a little hesitant about. But hopefully we'll get a try it at WonderCon. That's, uh, for those that don't know, uh, listening... WonderCon is like baby Comic-Con. It's run by Comic-Con International. It's going to be here in L.A. next weekend. We are going. We are getting hands-on impressions of everything Nintendo has on tap. They will be there. And then we're going to report back next episode. So if Star Fox is there, expect impressions on the refined motion controls and everything. And if it's not, we'll at least have Metroid Prime Federation Force impressions because that's confirmed to be there yep. already. So Only thing confirmed so far. So as of this recording. As of this Although recording. within like two days of this going up, Nintendo's going to announce everything. But, uh, but yeah, so I guess that's Star Fox. Like, I'm more excited than probably ever was. You seem like Guard is going to be enough to make you buy it. 
Well, I mean, to pre-order it. Yeah, exactly. That's my point. So, so for Nintendo, it's a win for both. They got two people right here. One they already had. The other they were able to flip. So, yeah. The other the other big Wii U game of the direct though was uh, previously rumored and now confirmed, which is the new Paper Mario. Um, bit of background for those who may not be up on it. It's called Color Splash. It sends you to this island called Prism Island, which is devoid of all color, and Mario has to spruce everything up by using his color hammer to splash paint on things. It's the blob if it was 2D and starring Mario and sort of a half RPG. It's reverse Mario Sunshine. It's reverse Mario Sunshine. It really is, yeah. Um, and we don't really know much else. They showed brief footage that kind of made it look like Sticker Star's sequel, almost. Like, as you thwack things, cards shoot out, you collect the cards. The battle mode, which they literally showed for, I think, 2.2 seconds. Um, it has you do this thing where you're like, on the gamepad, you're like touching down on the card and it fills with colors and you flick it to the battle. I don't quite get it, but it the structure, they show a world map, you go level, you go like section to section, it looks very much like Sticker Star, which... Yeah, it basically looks like, like, oh, what would a console version of Sticker Star look like? Yeah, and like, it looks great, like HG, no, yeah. it looks really pretty. No, of all the Paper Mario games, like, I mean, that, that's one thing that I thought Sticker Star and I guess this one now, just from footage we've seen, like, yeah. what they do best of all the Paper Mario games is like making it look like really Paper Mario. Yeah. Like, the other ones, like, they kind of settle for, like, some rendered stuff, like, where that... I mean, like, some of the trees in Thousand Year Door, like, were just straight-up trees or stuff. Well, that was, that was, I think, paying a bit more tribute to the original Paper Mario, where the original's idea on N64, I don't know if you remember. Mario Story? Yeah, you know, the, yeah, the original was literally, like, let's put a Paper Mario in it. Just put a Paper Mario in a world. So, like, everything, if I remember correctly, all the characters were flat and all the world was polygonal. And then over the years, they're like, why is it not all just in a storybook, you guys? And kind of drifted towards the current thing that Sticker Star, like you said, did really well, where it's like, things are papery and they have like giant fans that blow the whole world apart and yeah. just move more and more in the paper direction. Oh, yeah, they, they finally took the name literally. Like, yeah. Yeah, I, I guess it, they could have called it Flat Mario and that would have been it. Right, I mean, right. that's definitely what Super Paper Mario made it seem. It was, everything was flat, not yeah. necessarily paper. Yeah, I think that, I think that was the turning point, actually. Because prior to Super Mario... Even though Thousand Year Door did have you like turn into a paper plane, a paper boat... Well, see, but he was paper, but you still now get a 3D world. Yeah. And then Paper Mario... Super Paper Mario, I think, was the one where they're like, kind of like you said, it's still... They're still 3D, but like lots more things are made of paper, and then from there, just like, paper everything. But Paper Mushroom Kingdom is really what it should be called now. Yeah. Or Paper Prism Island. But gameplay-wise, I feel like it's also made kind of a weird shift over the years. Yeah, like, I, remember I, really, I really missed the partners, the actual... I not. remember when it was a normal RPG. Yeah. Like, you made a really good point to me on the phone when we were first, like, talking about what we are going to talk about, and you were saying that, like, I, I mean, you could say it yourself, the whole, like... Yeah, like, Mario Luigi is basically, like, doesn't, you know, Mario Luigi is, like, their full-on Mario RPG series, and Paper Mario, I guess, just became experimental. Paper Mario, beca <laughs> Paper Mario became, like, the Kirby's of the Mario RPG. Yeah, like, I don't even know what to call it, is it? I mean... It's like a it's not quite an RPG, RPG, but it's like action RPG. Like a Sometimes people call like Zelda an action. It's RPG. like a puzzle RPG, or yeah. Because I mean, I felt like P Sticker Star was more of a puzzle game, like a puzzle platformer. I wonder a three D puzzle platformer. Yeah. Because it was like, like, oh, where does this sticker go? Oh, it goes over here. Wait, it doesn't. You mean it's not a vacuum? Oh, you mean not that kind of? Oh vacuum? yeah, that's true. That was a twelve puzzle. Yeah, this seems to do away with that, at least. But well, there's no, definitely, but... at least from what we've seen, but it's definitely very, very Sticker Starry. Yeah. Which, which I mean, I, I did actually enjoy Sticker Starry. I know a lot of the internet hates it. Yeah, I mean, but... I was disappointed with it, but I still, in, like, 
I was disappointed. It's still face value. Yeah, yeah, I was disappointed for what it wasn't, but as a, as its own game, I definitely enjoyed. It. I mean, I beat the whole thing and right, like right. Elvis and I beat it and we both liked it. Yeah, we were just kind of disappointed it wasn't Thousand Year Door. Yeah, I feel like like if this was Thousand Year, if this was uh, Two Thousand Year Door or whatever they would call it. See, there's a sequel title you could use, Nintendo. You're welcome. If this was Two Thousand Year Door, I feel like would I be more excited? Would I be more on board? Yeah, but as is, I'm still gonna buy the thing. It still looks fun. It still looks like I enjoyed Sticker Star, so I don't mind. I would like there to be more depth, and for all we know, there will be. It won't be out till later this year, but and we know nothing, but um. Yeah, for what it is, it, I'm still looking forward to it. I'm just not excited yet, I guess, is the best way to sum it up. But yeah, it's weird how Paper Mario, to kind of bring it back to what you were saying, it is weird how it went from, like, real RPG to, like, puzzly games. Or Mario for Paper Mario to come back to consoles, for some reason, like, once they went on 3DS, I'm like, all right, I can see this game. And also, like, li- a spinoff. Like, living on, like, living on consoles, but, I mean, oh, living yeah, on handhelds. Yeah. I, I, I would actually, I would like for Mario and Luigi to make a jump to console. I would like it, to well, if they're it. doing this where Paper Mario is no longer an RPG franchise, then yes, they should bring Mario and Luigi to consoles. Yeah, make it, an cool. make it an NX game. Put it on both yeah. the handheld and console. Done. But if... Uh, like, I'm just excited thinking about like what kind of visual style will like, they go for. Will they go for even more detailed sprites or just do... Well, they, there's no way they could do... A, if they made a console game, I feel like a sprite-based console game would get... Unless it's an eShop-only game, that would get a weird reaction. Has there ever been? Can you think of any recently that aren't like side scrollers? Has there been an isometric console game from Nintendo like since the Super Nintendo? Donkey Kong Country. That's not isometric though. That's side scrolling, and that's three D. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't know. But yeah, I can't think of one. Like the the that type of game. Seems Closest to thing to I could think of would be like um, Wireland Shake It, but not still. But that's still like. I know. Size growing and still it's hand drawn. They could do a hand drawn thing. That could make maybe work. Hmm. But but yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I just that. figured um, they put like some crazy art style, but you know, as much it is still occurred to me when we were just now, is like as much as we would want Nintendo to make a new Paper Mario from their perspective, it makes much more sense to do exactly what they're doing. Why would you have two essentially identical Mario genre games? Mario and Luigi can be the Mario RPGs, and Paper Mario can be the Mario puzzle games, and Mario can be the Mario platform games, and Mario Kart can be the racing game. Like, it was a little weird that they had two concurrent, from a marketing, from their perspective, it was weird that they had two concurrent games that were essentially the same gameplay, just presented in different ways. Like, Mario, there are not two different Mario Golfs, there are not two different Mario Karts. I know you could say it's nuanced. Like, it, it, I'm basically going, well, there could be Mario Gran Turismo and Mario Kart. But not really. Like, you have one racer, you have one this, so you have one Mario RPG, and you have one whatever Paper Mario is becoming. Would I have liked to see Thousand Year Door 2? Probably. But, like, I kind of get what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't really deny that. I just like the novelty of, like, Mario teaming up with, like, what are normally enemies. Uh, yeah, I agree. Like, I thought that was I think I think what they might want to consider is maybe branching out Mario and Luigi into just Mario RPGs in general and not have it always be, here's, Mario Luigi. here's different configurations of the brothers and their babies and their Bowsers and their papers and their, like, there's, like, so many different ways you can say, look, we have three characters each assigned to a different face. They've button. almost done everything. I mean, they've done, like, Mario and Luigi, Mario and a bunch of Luigis, Mario, Luigi, and Paper Mario. Yeah, they're out of... Mario baby, yeah, so Mario now be the time to bring in enemies and almost go full paper. Well, this kind of has. I mean, you've had the game where you control Bowser. No, I mean like like having a party. I mean like the yeah. little, you know, the the Koop, the Goomba with the baseball cap or whatever. 
Yeah. But I guess time will tell if they go that route. Um, one RPG that also has left me very confused, because uh, this was a little confusing in terms of like why would... would they do that? Is I think you know what I'm gonna say. Um, did this one confuse you at all? They only showed it for a minute. Minute, but the Shimagai Tensei Fire Emblem crossover, which is now called, get ready, Tokyo Mirage Sessions Sharp FE. Not hashtag FE, Sharp FE, like a note. Because you see, what it turns out this Shimagai Tensei Fire Emblem crossover is, is a game about Japanese pop idols that also happens to involve monsters that you battle in an RPG system. And every so often, Krom or someone from Fire Emblem shows up. Like, that that's literally what it's... I guess they'd show the... It, I mean, you'd think they'd have the Fire Emblem name more pronounced since it's that's so popular. That's what I'm confused by. That's what I'm confused by. Fire Emblem, as we'll discuss when we talk about NPD sales numbers, is doing better than ever in the U.S. Shimigami Tensei is an established franchise. You know, they have, it has its own spin-off with Persona. They just, like, neither they of them. They said neither of them. And what I find the weirdest is when they market the game now, which, by the way, they said is coming out June 24th, which is actually... I thought they were going to wait till the fall, so not bad. But, um... When they market the game now, they don't even say it involves Fire Emblem. They didn't say Fire Emblem or Shimagami Tensei by name at all in the direct. I watched it twice to make sure I didn't miss it, that segment. They did not say it. The most they did was show Krom for literally a second. Then, in the Nintendo Direct press release that goes out with every direct where they summarize all the announcements, all they say about Fire Emblem is that there is fan service references. Now, originally, this game was a hybrid Fire Emblem Shimagami Tensei, and Fire Emblem was this crucial part, but now it's being relegated to fan service references. Mm. So, I don't know. It's, it, I know in Japan, the game didn't sell particularly well, so I wonder if they're trying a new angle here or what, but it seems weird to Maybe they're trying downplay. to sneak it by as a new franchise? Possibly. It just seems like so weird. Like a new weird. IP? Like, hey, what is this? It's but weird. then, who are you selling it to? I like don't know, people many, that just want an RPG game. JRPG fans, granted, there are a lot of them, and I'm sure they would love the game. I'm sure the game itself is fun, but I don't know. J-pop RPG is not a descriptor of a game, I think, has very It's a way to appeal. introduce people to this to genre and of music that maybe, maybe That's true. I mean, they even got a major J-pop production company to make music for it, so you could be right. But, but just to me, it seems like it seems like this game had niche appeal, which is fine. But then Nintendo went, well, instead of just maximizing that, let's make it even more niche and really hone in on those 32 people that might buy it. So, I, I don't know, it just confuses me. Like, I'm sure the game's fun on its own merit, but it just seems so weird that they de-emphasized the crossover hook that was initially what was there to bring people in. Hmm. Unless they're just trying to sweep it under the rug at this point, in which case, then maybe that's why they're doing it. But, but like, if you look at something like... I feel like they could do what, like, Lost Reavers did. Like, that's another game that I don't think has immediate broad appeal, but will find its niche. But, like, Lost Reavers, so they talked about it in the Direct briefly. That's that Nam uh, Bandai Namco game where it's four-player online co-op, and your goal is to go into these levels, extract treasure, and drag them back to the end goal as a team of four people, each one assigned with different tasks, and there are zombies you have to fight and avoid. That's the premise. And as you go through, you you know, it's, it's kind of like an action RPG. You level up, you get new skills, you get new weapons, etc. I always welcome co-op games. They're always pretty fun. Yeah, exactly. And, like, that on its own merit, sure, that might be fun and it might be able to get enough people. But what Bandai Namco is doing is because they know this idea might need a bit of a sell, is they are, A, doing a free open beta on April 14th. You don't need a beta, Bandai, because your game has been out in Japan for the past year. But they're doing an open beta as, like, a demo. And then on the 28th of, um, I guess you could say the betas for uh, stress testing but of the service, but still. And then on the 28th of April, 
it's coming out legitimately as a free-to-play game or free-to-start game, and you buy as you go through. I don't know why if Nintendo... I feel like Tokyo Mirage Sessions would benefit if it did either a free-to-start or if it went to, like, like Lost Reavers or had, like, a demo, like, some sort of demo period that they already are hyping up or maybe even do what Fatal Frame did on Wii U where, like, they divide into chapters and the first two are free and then the rest you pay for. Like, something. Because I just can't... Maybe I'm being very biased as looking at it from my perspective exclusively, but I just can't see J-pop RPG, JRPG being a very big seller. Mm. And I mean, I, you're not. Are you buying it? No. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Like, but and but then again, you don't like JRPGs at all. But or do you? No, you play Tales. I take that back. Yeah, I like JRPGs. Yeah, never mind. I take that back. That that's incorrect. I mean, I don't play all of them, but I definitely have my favorites. So yeah. But then, but this one, you're automatically like, no, like that fast. Like, well, that's it's, my point. It, it, I don't know. It's it's not really anything against the game specifically. It's just like I don't really kind of the same reason I didn't really get um Xenoblade Chronicles or right. It's like the I, sheer I, size. I yeah, like JRPG, JRPGs are usually notoriously long games, and yeah. I can't with Pokemon Tournament having just come out and. Other things that I want to play and do, like, I definitely can't invest in a game like this right now. Especially because so, I have, you, okay, I have a backlog of like three Tales games right. that I've already purchased. You know, I make a Tales game for smartphones as well. Be on the lookout for that. Uh, let's say you had all the time in the world. Yeah, I'd probably get it. Okay, interesting. So you would just yeah get it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it looks really weird, but I was like, oh, it, it looks. I mean, it is appealing. In yeah, its it, it, look, it looks like that. it looks fun. I mean, so it looks maybe I am being a little too self. I, I'm always up for I'm always up for trying like new like battle systems or different right, mechanics because right. I mean that, that's what that's what I really like about JRPG like they're all really different from each other like some of them emphasize the more real time combat which I kind of prefer right others are a little more turn based I mean maybe I'm being too yeah. hard on poor Tokyo Mirage Session Sharp Effie <laughs> maybe it uh <clears throat> maybe it will do better than I'm thinking but I don't know to me it, I, just I, seems I, like, I, it seems like they should I, keep the fire on I, I think it definitely, I don't know, that game definitely looks like the biggest, um, like, oh, jump out of your comfort zone kind of thing. Yeah. Like, it's compared very, to other uh, games. Like, at least in other games, they're like, oh, I like this aspect about it, but for this one, it's kind of like, everything's so weird. I'm, the only thing you can go on is the fact that it's a JRPG. You know, honestly, you saying that makes me think maybe that's why they de-emphasize Fire Emblem. They don't want these 400,000 copies of Fire Emblem Fates were sold in February. We'll talk about it in more detail later. But maybe of those new fans, they don't want <clears throat> their second Fire Emblem game to be that and, <laughs> and then they go uh i'm out so maybe that's why they dm says it i don't know but i think the lost Reaver, they i feel like it wouldn't hurt to give it the lost reavers or fatal frame like one over you know free to start but whatever the uh for those who are looking forward to it i'm sure it's gonna be fun I, i'm not trying to like diss the game itself just the just how they're pitching it i guess but um jumping in 3ds news from the direct also continues this weird theme of games that i don't see get the impression have instant broad appeal which by the way is the strangest bucket i've ever put games into is games that look fun but don't have instant broad appeal but <laughs> i think the i think the prime example of this see what i did there is uh metro prime federation force which man people on the internet hate this game I know. and Nintendo i don't to disable the, the downvoting. yeah the they turned thing? off the downvoting on the video trailer or on the trailer on youtube for it because it got so many downvotes and i don't understand why i mean i do understand why but it's unfortunate why because like i get people want metroid prime 4 and federation but federation it's like another paper mario discussion (laughs) except even more so because like federation force well if nothing else well before we get to that i did want to say that like 
they had to trot out Tanabe, the producer of the game, and have him, like, give a personal appeal to, like, please don't hate this game. I, it was so, I've never seen him do that. It was so weird. He came out, and he's like, um, he's like, oh, I wanted to tell the story of this game for 10 years. We've been working on this since 2009. Like, we really, it, we feel it's so crucial to, like, the, the, the plot of Metroid. Like, we really want to make it. And he, like, was directly addressing specific feedback from each of you, saying things like, I know there's a chibi art style, I know about Blast Ball, we'll tell you about that later, but please just give this game a chance. Like, it, that was the undertone of his whole thing. And I was like, this is weird. And, like, Bill Trennan introed it with, like, we wanted to give you a better understanding of Federation Force. It's like, what? Like, the fact that Nintendo has to, like, tuck their tail and come out and be like, no, please, please, guys, give it a chance just struck me as... Can you imagine if they did that after Wind Waker? Like, remember the Zelda controversy in 2003, where they sh or 2002, oh. and it was like, oh, Zelda's ruined, it's cartoony. Nintendo did not really trot out and go like, no, guys, just like, like <laughs> it, it's, we love it so much, can't you love it like us? We love it like a child, please. Like, they're just like, play it, you'll see. It just felt so weird that they had to do this. Like, I feel really bad for Tanabe, because like, no matter what it does, there seems to be negativity. And if people actually stopped and listened to his pitch, I feel like they realize what's going on, and like you said... It is the Paper Mario situation, but maybe not in the same way. And I think they'd realize that if they listen, because yeah, this right. isn't Metroid Prime Four. Yeah, because I mean, you're still getting like the core gameplay is still there. I, I think more than as, think, well, sort of. Well, I get their point. It's not a solitary experience. You're not exploring plants in this long, drawn out. You're constantly moving. It's divided into missions. But you know what this is, and has been since 2009. Yeah, and Metroid Prime Two, Metroid Prime Hunters Two. Stop looking at it like Metric Prime Four. Start looking at it like Metric Prime Hunters, and it makes total and sense. And honestly, like, I don't know. I mean, obviously, a lot of fans disagree because they really want another Metric Prime. Yeah. But I mean, after three Metric Primes, like, I was kind of ready to go. Like, all right, I'm ready for like something different. Maybe right. like, like it could still be Samus or whatever. I mean, like this this was almost seemed like a nice breath of fresh air. Like, oh, all yeah. right, it's still the Prime Universe, but it's not. It's, it's different. hunters yeah. drawn to the next yeah. logical and, and And once again, like, some of my... Well, yeah, one of my favorite genres of all is always, like, co-op games. So this is, like, even better, like, for that. Like, just the fact that it's a co-op game. It's, they, you know what they did is they took Metric Prime Hunters and they forced swords to fight it. For like a better <laughs> yeah, they just reversed it. Instead of fighting yeah. against four other people, you're playing with four other people. Yeah, 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 yeah. They basically went, okay... And, I mean, this is what Tanai was saying in the pitch, but no one bothered listening to him, is, like... Because there's like, oh, rubble, 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 we want Metro Prime 4. Well, first of all, before I even get to what I said, I, it's just popped to my head that I want to say, um, this isn't made by Retro Studios. This isn't those resources. This is Next Level Games. They've made other multiplayer-oriented games. Metro Prime Hunters 1, as you may recall, was made by NST, and nobody at the time was like, where's my Metro Prime 3? This isn't Metro Prime 3. They understood it was separate, so I don't get why the internet can't distinguish that now, but well, yes. That game you were still kind of by itself most of the time. Yeah, they, hunters, but... yeah Metro Prime Hunters, that's true. Single player... <laughs> Metro Prime Pinball comes out. Oh, what is yeah, that? when Prime Pinball came out, no one said, why are these assets not being spent on, like, or why are these? Why is this money not going towards Prime 3? And I was like, ooh, a pinball game. Yeah, it's just like a spin-off, whatever. Yeah. But... Granted, you're right. Metro Prime Hunters 1 still had yeah. the solitary experience in single player. You were, you were still Samus. But as Tanawi was kind of say, hinting at, this was them going in 2009, we want to make another Metroid that's multiplayer oriented. They saw Hunters Online worked well, which came out in 2009, by the way, so it makes sense. That before or after Metro Prime I think 2... Hunters came out. 
Because Prime uh, 2 had a multiplayer mode. Prime 2 came out in 2004 and was not very good multiplayer. <laughs> oh. uh, it came out alongside the DS. Metro Prime Hunters, I just misspoke. I believe it actually came out in 2006. I want to say like March. I'm double-checking that right now. But that came out in March of, let's say, 2006. I'm, am I right? Yeah, March 20th, 2006. Um, so that came out in March, the original. And then in 2009, they go, gee, the multiplayer Metro Prime Hunters went well. Let's make a game like that. The hardware wasn't there yet. They needed the 3DS, so they waited. Then they made it, and they basically took what worked with multiplayer, threw in some forcers, like you said, reversed it from competitive to cooperative, and built a game off it. I don't know why people are freaking out, because you know they have played multiplayer Metroid from Hunters. It sold well, it had a good online community, people liked it, generally. So why are they all now hating it? It stopped. It's like the Mario situation. It is a mm. Paper Mario thing, like you said. There's Mario RPG, Mario and Luigi, and there's Paper Mario. There's Metroid Prime, and there's Metroid Prime spin-offs. Like, maybe they should have called it just Metroid Federation Force. Maybe that would have helped. They should just wait to play the game. Yes. I mean, I don't know. It, it kind of feels... Maybe because the internet gives every single person a voice now, but yeah. it feels like the average gamer feels more entitled about, like, what games, like, should... It's, like, how games should be made. I almost wonder if it's, like, a, a, the like backs, not, the downside of Kickstarter. Like, if it's You're not so exactly, used to controlling... Yeah, if it's not exactly what they want, it's just, like, bleh. Well, here's the problem with... Uh, this unleashing a whole tirade. I'm also kind of. I mean, which is that social media which is kind of it, what I'm doing with Star Fox Zero. I it's was, what I, I'm doing with Paper Mario, or it's what we were both doing about Paper Mario. Those, yeah. what I definitely did about Tokyo Mirage sessions. We're part of them. Well, we're part of problem. We're human. We, we do a. <laughs> we're all just people, yeah. but we do we do a podcast where we kind of have to give opinions. That makes sense. But there has been this thing in social media, and granted, we're just two average Nintendo fans who chose to share our views. That's all, and that's all social media is. Is you're a Nintendo fan or a political person a fan of the political process or whatever that's choosing to share a view on nintendo on trump on whatever it may be but the problem is social media have made everyone feel like they're entitled to not just sharing their view which is one thing but to then getting the exact result out of sharing their view that they want as a super heavy user of social media i like that's i can admit that's the downside of social media is everyone has this weird sense of entitlement it's where the outrage culture comes from because everyone's offended by everything these days. Oh, man. But if you think about it, it's all because, well, that's not how I would do it, and I demand you do it this way. Half the time, they're probably right. Like, a lot of stuff that people call out as being racist or insensitive, yes, it's probably racist or insensitive, and you're right that they shouldn't do it. But this idea that anytime you're offended, anytime you don't like something, be it Hunters, or sorry, Federation Force, or some actual serious issue, that doesn't mean you flip a switch and everyone agrees with you and changes their plans forever. Like, if that happened with Wind Waker, if that happened with Wind Waker, we would not have Wind Waker. If that happened with Metroid Prime 1, we would not have Metroid Prime 1. When Metroid Prime was announced, as, when they showed first-person footage of Samus running, people were like, that's not Metroid. Yeah. I want an exploratory game. What is this? Halo? Or, well, Halo wasn't a thing yet. What is this? <laughs> Perfect Dark? Like, it, <laughs> if, people, <laughs> if people got their way, they would be missing out on a lot of great games. And I, th I think Federation Force is... It's not going to be the next Metroid Prime 1. It's not going to be the next Wind Waker. I don't think. It's going to be a fun... If I had to guess, around 8.5 uh, 8, 8 out of 10 on this review score game. It'll be a solid game. It's going to be a 10 out of 10. I'd be happy to be wrong. It's going to be a solid game. It's going to be fun. But it's not going to be like a game changer like oh. some others are. But we don't know unless we let them try. And there's no, hurt, there's no harm in trying. Nintendo's not distracting Retro Studios with this. It's strictly next level. I get people's complaints that it's even more in the direction of Hunters in terms of not Samus, other characters. I get the chibi style is kind of weird. I agree it's kind of weird. 
but let them do their thing. And if yeah. you don't like it, don't buy it. And if you do like it, or if other people like it, let them enjoy it. Like I don't get this. Yeah, like I mean, I don't, I don't mind them experimenting, but like the the chibi style, like it's a little weird. Yeah, my my my, big, my only issue with it is that like when I see the models, especially when they're out of those um, mechs, yeah. they look like toddlers. They do. They look, I don't understand. Like, like, I can't not see that and not think, like, yep, that's a full-grown adult going into yeah. a mech. So it looks like a like a toddler going into that. It looks like it's a toddler. It's, like, waddling towards, yeah. like, his new play device. Yeah. No, it just looks, it looks hilarious, and I, it can't... Yeah. That I don't understand. Even that, though, it's kind of, like, it almost harkens back. Like, I'm going to now contradict everything I say and complain about it, too. Like, everything we do on this podcast when we're not in praise mode... We are obviously nitpicking things, but it's only because we want the best for Nintendo. But, like, yeah. Federation 4, sure, okay, maybe it's chibi. I don't know It'll why. It'll grow on you, but It'll grow on us. But, yeah, it is a weird choice. I agree. I, my guess is it has something to do with the small screen, and they want to have big, bold, like, they want to show the faces in some big way for something they haven't revealed yet, or, like, they want to do the chibi guys so the mechs look more massive on a tiny screen. I, I don't know. I mean, you know, like... Even Samus looks chibi, though, which and, is kind of funny. And for, I mean, for a 3DS game, like, Picking a design like that is definitely much would definitely make for a more appealing looking game overall because if you went for a more realistic I don't know, design choice you would lose a lot of detail in the small screen and yeah. unless it was on console. So yeah, that's, I mean it Because like if you make, go back yeah. and look at Metro Prime Hunters One, for a game of that time it looks good, but if you look at it now it's like they try to cram a ton of textures into some very tiny spaces and it's a lot of weird like yeah. just blurriness. And I guess everywhere. you could argue that like, oh like with that in mind, just imagine how that game would have looked like on the three D S. Yeah. Yeah. It would look like a much. I mean, but you know what? Yeah. If the people that are mad about Federation Force had their way, there never would have been a Metroid Prime Hunters on 3DS, and this wouldn't exist either. So, like, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, as much as we complain, I guess the moral of the story is as much as we like to complain on the podcast, I don't think we're ever at the point where we want to basically shame a game out of existence. And I think that people that do, I understand why they do. They're passionate about what they enjoy. Everyone is. But, like, take a step back and realize maybe it's not catered to you. Possibly. Or maybe, maybe. It'll end up being good and you can overlook its oh, flaws. Man, yeah, that, that, that's like the biggest one. I feel like one someone just like deleted us from their yeah. subscriptions for saying I, that. I, but... I think sometimes people forget. Like even like I do sometimes. Like we forget that things like aren't always catered to us anymore. Where when we get past that age limit, we're like, oh, it's all right. Like Pokemon is probably the yeah. biggest one where they're like, oh, why are they still making new Pokemon? I was like, well, why do you care? Yeah, like I go on. Like... This, I make all those jokes all the time about like their Pokemon shape, like chandeliers and ice cream now that's stupid yes as a 26 year old that's stupid as an 8 year old it's like oh sweet it looks like an ice cream cone that's funny and no pun intended with the oh sweet it looks like ice cream <laughs> but um yeah I mean, like, comparison, like our Pokemon when we grew up like, weren't that much good like oh it's a sludge with a face it's yeah. a ball with a face yeah it's literally a reverse Pokeball that has a face <laughs> yeah Voltorb boy are you but um yeah so whatever Federation Force turns out to be it's supposed to be out by late spring and I, though I just to sort of sum it up it is going to be at WonderCon. As I mentioned with Star Fox, we're going to be at WonderCon. So we're going to play it. And we're going to have impressions on whether this thing's actually any fun. Because, you know, maybe they should just call it Federation Force. And not even have the Metro name. Maybe that made people happy. But mm. I don't think they should outright cancel the game, which is what people well, want. So we'll, we'll report back for you guys next episode. I played Blast Ball a year ago, and I saw the Metroidisms in it and enjoyed it for what it was. But I am curious to try legit Federation Force, and I want to see what you think of it too, as someone that likes Hunters and Prime a lot as well. So, yeah, and I guess while we're on the subject of um, characters writing Max, how about Kirby? Yeah, Kirby. Now this Rubble is Box. funny. This is like the other side of the feedback coin, and I'm almost like I feel like I'm the opposite because like I'm excited for Federation Force, legitimately, because I think it's kind of a cool, refreshing extension of what Hunters was. And then I look at Kirby, which uh, Planet Robota or uh, Robo Robo Robobot, Robobot. Thank you. Uh, which everyone online seems like, oh, look, he's in a mech. Oh, this looks so great. And I'm just like, 
okay. It looks like Kirby to me. Yeah. Like, I, I think we've lost interest in... It's funny, like, we lost interest in what made, made Kirby games Kirby games, and now we're just interested in, like... The crazy experimental Yeah, the experimental ones, ones that aren't necessarily yeah. Kirby games. And, I mean, this Kirby game, for what it is, as a Kirby game, is good. There are 25 it, it, different abilities. There are 10 different mech abilities you can have. The mech is, like, this rock and sock and robot-looking thing that, like, it literally won't take 10 different abilities from enemies yeah. so it's kind of like a second Kirby almost um, and you go through all these different levels normal side scrolling you can use amiibo to scan in which give Kirby different abilities based on the amiibo so like Mario has the, the fire Kirby Link is sword Kirby like it's all really well done as a side scrolling Kirby game but it's just like okay how's this robot significantly different than say the hypernova sucking Kirby and yeah. triple I mean, deluxe I w- they both are just destroy everything in your path yeah, I mean I will say that of um of all the Kirby traditional games that were released like in the last ten years, like yeah. Kirby Wii, Kirby Three Return to Dreamland, yeah, Kirby, all those. Yeah. Um, like this one's probably the one that caught my attention the most, just because I'm like, all right, like it seemed like they added the most. I mean, the mech at least, um, like the the sucking up power that was kind of something that you just kind of did in it a was few. It's like a one and done, yeah. Yeah, but the mech it looks like they built levels around the mech, so it's like, all right, you're not. It, it, had, it had the more different... It looks you know like it had a bigger feel to it. You know what it reminded me of more than... I shouldn't have said the Hypernova Kirby. It reminded me more of the uh, giant egg in Yoshi's New Island. Where they also built mm. some level ideas around it. But at the end of the day, it's just like, yep, kind of the same thing. At least this looks more fleshed out than that, even. So. Oh, yeah. But, I'm sure it's going to be fun. No, yeah, but like... I, yeah, but it's an, it's another one where, like... I'm more, I'm more than likely I'm going to pass it. Me too. But it still seemed like... If anything, I'm, I've... For the last two 3DS Kirby games, I've been more interested in the sub-games than the full games. Same with this one. Yeah, like... Dude, like, uh, like Team like, Kirby Clash sounds yeah, really fun. Yeah, like, like, that sounds really fun. Like, in the other one, like, the Smash Bros. Kirby or the King DDD music yeah. thing, like, all of those sound like, like oh, I actually want those. Yeah, Team Kirby Clash actually sounds really cool because it's, like, it's not just a boss rush mode, which is what they kind of pitched it as, as at first, but as the direct went on, I was like, oh, wait, there's leveling up and, like... You earn new abilities as you progress, and those get you to other... Bo- like, it's almost like a mini super RPG. And once like again, super light another RPG. co-op thing. So it's like right, another co-op thing. That. Up to four people. You can't... The, the thing that I was very happy about is they also, unlike a lot of co-op game, you can do single player with computer-controlled characters. So you can still do the mode and level up and stuff on your own. Yeah. So And only requires one cartridge. So whatever part of the team is in charge of making those sub-games, they should just let them make, like... A full a, game. A full-on, like... Yeah. Or just a collection of, like, kind of like um, Kirby's Superstar, the one that was just, like, a bunch yeah. of little games. Well, Triple Deluxe was trying to go in that direction. The triple implies the main game and the two side games. They all, I almost wish they'd do, like, Singtuplet Deluxe or something, just, like, six games or whatever. I mean, Kirby Superstar Ultra was really fun. That was a good one. Yeah, yeah. I, I kind of wish, like, I, too, would ultimately like to see more canvas curses and mass attacks and oh, man, than mass anything attack. else. But, kind of to my point about Federation Force earlier... There are a ton of people that love these side-scrolling Kirby games. They are solid games. This does look like it actually adds... The mech thing looks kind of fun. So, okay, great. If I buy it for Clash, uh, for Kirby Clash, okay, I'll buy it for Kirby Clash I and mean, then have a nice side-scroller. Well, style. I mean, maybe they'll release it separately like they did with the other two. Possibly. And if not, it's like you getting, Project, it's like you getting Star Fox Guard and having Zero along with it. I could get One of us can get it for Kirby Clash and then have a really fun platformer attached to it. It's just not maybe the ideal Kirby we would have dreamed of, but... huh. Not the Kirby in our dreamland, but it's um, still, I'm sure, a very solid game. And it does, it definitely, you could definitely tell they're like, let's pump out a Kirby before the 3DS ends. Like, it's the same assets and stuff as Triple Deluxe. But, so what? If it's a fun game, it's a fun game. Yeah. 
But uh, Definitely won't suck. The, the, yeah, haha. I think my Dreamland pun was better. It was. Um, thank you. Now, the one thing we should mention about Curry that is actually kind of cool, besides Clash, is it's getting its own amiibo line. So, there are going to be four to start. Uh, Kirby, DVD, Waddle Dee, Meta Knight. They look really clean. Like, I like how they kept them very smooth and simple. And, like, they're, I feel like those are going to look really good as amiibo. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. they're very nice. They're very tuning. Yeah. I, I like them. Definitely not going to get them, but... I, like I think them. I'll probably buy one. I seem to buy one from every set. Like, I have an Animal Crossing amiibo. I have a Mario series amiibo toad. Oh, I guess I have three because I have the gold and silver. And now I will get a Kirby amiibo. Just to one, you know, just to dabble a little, but um, but yeah, what what I thought was kind of, and they get you. I guess stuff I could get the, the Waddle Dee since yeah, I'm thinking I have like all the other I'm thinking characters Waddle because yeah. I, I already have Kirby and DDD. And yeah, I don't care yeah. that much about Man Knight. I mean, I, he's cool, but whatever. But Waddle Dee, like, I try and get the ones that aren't doubled. So like, oh I yeah, Toad, like, yeah, we have Toad. Yeah. Right, I have Tom Nook because he's never gonna be in a Smash Bros. Amiibo, and now I can get Waddle Dee, but. Uh, but that does kind of bring us to Amiibo, which in general I did want to bring up that this Direct seemed very light on Amiibo, which is weird, because like a year ago, everything was Amiibo. You know, they didn't even bring up um, like like a release window for Bayonetta and Corrin, which nope. they usually do. They didn't say that. They didn't have a next wave of Animal Crossing Amiibo. All they said was there's Series 4 of the cards, and we're making Isabelle standalone from Amiibo Festival. Oh, and by the way, she has two different outfits, so you can oh, buy her twice. Oh, the, the, that's literally... The series 4, whichever series just came out with the uh, Series 4. Series the cards? Yeah, the cards. Three. Three came out on Friday. Um, I guess they revealed the list, and Rocco and Hippu are actually on there. Uh, so it sounds like you're going to start... I don't know. start collecting? I don't want to... Those are the only two cards I want, but... You can probably buy them individually on eBay. Yeah, hopefully they're not. Dollar. Hopefully yeah. they're not like popular. I mean, I'll get them for a dollar. I'll even pay them three bucks for them. But ah, oh, big spender. <laughs> seems fair because yeah, I mean, yeah. for all for the amount of packs I would have probably have to buy to hope to get them. Right. I'd definitely be spending way less. Right. Right. And I'm they're probably considering that they waited till wave three to put them out there. That leads me to believe that they're probably not popular characters in the right. grand scheme of things. So better for yeah. me. But yeah, like, besides, so after, besides those cards, though, and besides the Isabelles, it sounds like Animal Crossing Amiibo figurines might be done. And they announced four Kirbys, and that was it. No Smash Bros. No anything. They're coming out with a total of five more Amiibo figurines that we know of, and some cards. Mm. So it's kind of like, what happened? They did announce Mario, Mini Mario and Friends Amiibo Challenge, which we talked about a couple episodes ago as free-to-play yeah. game that you unlock with your Amiibo, you know, different levels. Yep. But even that was just kind of like, oh yeah, this is coming out. You can if you buy an amiibo next starting the twenty fifth, sure we'll give you the game. Or in April, just wait and we'll give you the game. And that was it. Like there's no the big grand like this is the game that make amiibo worth it. I don't think we're seeing till E three probably. But I'm surprised they didn't even like. I feel like we're missing some amiibo stuff. I guess having a whole new series. Maybe I'm not giving it enough credit. Yeah. Those Kirby ones, but there's nothing from now till June, which is weird. Kind of waiting for that next whimsical amiibo like the Yoshi one. Yeah, yeah, something crazy, some new form factor. Yeah, yeah, but it, ju- yeah. it just struck me as a little strange. I mean, this is probably just a lull. And I've, I, mean, you know what they should have done that transforming Arwing amiibo. Yeah, that's something. Yeah, cool. that was cool. Team I remember, up with Hasbro. I mean, they're yeah, pro that making transforming so, toys. That is true, but yeah, it. Um, Mimo was saying in an interview with Game Informer for those who didn't see it that. They were trying, instead of just using the Fox and Falco Smash Bros. Amiibo for Star Fox Zero, they were trying to build an Amiibo that can change from the R-Wing to the Chicken Wing. And um, it, they couldn't get it to work at that small scale. But 
who said it had to be at that size? Like, I don't know yeah. why they didn't. I don't know why they didn't double down on that. They could have made it any size. They have mega yarn yoshis. They have mini yarn yoshis. They have cards. They have. Yeah. They can make up. They, they felt that we're not limited to the whatever yeah, standards. Yeah, except then they limited themselves to the standards that yeah. they said they weren't limited by. But oh well, it would have been cool. Um, but there was some other 3DS news besides Amiibo that we should probably touch on. Uh, mainly because these are games I know you specifically. Have a more, more like some of these I'm like I'm on board with, but you in particular are interested. So I don't know if you want to like take the lead for a bit. Well, these three. I mean, we finally got like our official word on Monster Hunter X. Yeah, which is now called Generations. Yep, and I mean, definitely looking forward to that game. It it's for those people that didn't really, I guess I found Monster Hunter a little more on the dry side of combat. Like it's just like, right? Uh, realistic is the wrong word, but it's like the best word I could find as far as describing. Like, the movements and, like, the way things attack. Like, everything has a very real quality to it because everything is slowed down. You have to... It's all about positioning yourself. Mm-hmm. But this one looks like they kind of took everything about Monster Hunter and just, like, multiplied it times ten. Like, everything right. is more dramatic. There's, like, bigger explosions. You have crazier attacks that... It's been Americanized. <laughs> yeah, like, 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 there's attacks in there that, like, for, like, a Monster Hunter purist, like, like more hardcore than Nanobus and I, like, they probably be like, well, like, well, this is not Monster Hunter. This is, like super crazy like anime action game or something right but right. just what it is now and uh, it looks cool it looks fun i mean just adding and it's out this summer which is sooner than i thought i honestly thought they're gonna do it like august or well i guess august is still potentially summer but they could have easily done it in the fall yeah, we, we, we're due for a new monster hunter game that's true this one kind of the most recent one we've kind of run its course i mean whenever i was and i like just look for a game to play i mean we're, we're playing minecraft now again where we could be playing monster hunter so right that told you that we need yeah. a new Monster Hunter game. Yeah, although, um, for people who have never gotten into it, like me, now's a good time to jump in, because they discounted the, which one, Monster Hunter 4, I guess, um, yeah. to like 20 bucks on the eShop. Yeah, you, you should go. Just give it a try. I mean, I have tried. It's not, I feel like it's not my cup of tea, but those who do play 4 and like it, um, the save data gets you something in Generations as well, so. Nope. That's no nice. word on Monster Hunter stories or whatever that's supposed to be. I, they confirmed it was coming west at some point, just oh, not yeah. as direct, but I'm guessing that's later on. Yeah, I mean, the direct did say, like, releases from now through the summer so yeah i did find find uh did you see that thing from gdc so game developer for those who don't know game developers conference happened in san francisco this past week uh pokemon go was supposed to have a uh panel there but then they canceled it but um monster capcom had a thing about monster hunter and they talked about localizing it and they put a comment about like no memes which is like is that a bit of a jab at good old treehouse is that a bit of a jab at noa's treehouse because it's certainly they love their memes and capcom's very quickly like don't enter meme country i think is the exact words they use but i I just thought that was funny i mean i don't know capcom i've always loved the the dialogue in monster hunter games it's always yeah because it has some whimsy to it so it's weird that they're like we want to be funny but we don't want we want to be timeless their 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 dialogue especially the cat stuff is very very pun heavy they yeah capcom definitely loves their puns yeah. But, um... Oh, and they have... We forgot to mention that uh, they're continuing the partnerships with Nintendo at Generations because they have Fire Emblem people in it. Or Army. Yeah. And from what it looks like, it looks like it's another, like... I mean, it looks like they just still have the Nintendo exclusivity, at least with the, yeah. with core games. I mean, we have this other PS4 Monster Hunter coming out in Japan that we've got no yeah. word of it here, but... Well, I think part of the reason they're keeping it is because Nintendo does a lot with... The heavy, a lot of the heavy lifting for promoting it in the West. Yeah, and I mean, and they've been doing really well. I mean, yeah. Capcom seems really happy with it. I mean, I, just to give you an idea of what I mean about the promoting, is like Monster Hunter Generations was the only retail third-party, third-party retail release mentioned in the Direct. They did mention Azure Gunstrike. Gunvolt. Gunvolt, thank you. Azure Striker Gunvolt 2. They did mention that. They did mention Game Freak's uh, 
you know the pocket card jockey they mentioned stuff like the only one that was like a, a big third party game was this yeah. so that alone like that helped tremendously given how many people watch these videos um, they also mentioned a game that I think we're both excited for. Oh man, finally we get Rhythm the confirmation Heaven. of Rhythm Heaven Mega Mix. Yes. Well, what it's called here. Yeah. I think over there was called like Rhythm Heaven All the Best or something. Yeah, it was like all that. the best. But yeah, I mean it's I mean for those that haven't heard about it, it's just um it's a bunch of new mini games. Thirty. So yeah, like thirty which is roughly the what you would it's roughly the the number of new games that you get in every Rhythm Heaven. Yeah. Plus, now they're also bringing back, like, a ton of, like... 70. Yeah, a, a ton from, like, all over the place, which... 70. Which is really cool, because, like, a lot... Well, I always felt that Rhythm Heaven Fever was always... I thought It always felt like that game was meant to have been a 3DS game from the very beginning, because a lot of the yeah. games, like... A lot of the minigames just scream out, this was, was made with 3D in mind. And so, now that we're getting a lot of those games in 3D, like, it just makes oh, so they were 3 dfying them. 3Ding them. I'm assuming. Yeah, I'm mean, assuming the game is in 3D. Yeah, I would assume. And too. Nintendo sometimes just doesn't though. So I know, <laughs> yeah, but because they could get away with saying, "Well, no, we're keeping it true to the original," but then they also have to add touch, I guess. So yeah, but this one's all button. So oh right, right. Yeah, but I don't know. It looks it looks really fun. I mean, I've at this point. Wait, it's all buttons. Even the DS ones that get poured over are gonna be button based now. Oh, I guess so. Because keep in mind, it's it's um because you play it's it, Fever he... from the Wii. It's the original from the DS, and that's the Game Boy Advance's Japan. Yeah, it's, it's all it's all gonna be button. Cause you, really? Yeah, because you hold the game like a normal 3Ds the whole time. The Rhythm Heaven, regular Rhythm Heaven, had to be held right. sideways. But you could they could always just show a vertical screen with borders. No, I, I've seen the some of the, I've seen some of the DS mini games, and they're still held huh. normal. I guess they're I guess well they're only picking 70 between three different games, so I, I mean, guess the the touch heavy ones. Probably I feel like I feel like cut. maybe the bulk of them will be from the most recent one, then like. Actually, yeah. it could be evenly split. I guess but it works with buttons. No, it, it, it does. Because instead of tapping and holding, you just press and hold. Yeah, you just press and hold. It's exactly the same. Which makes I, you realize how gimmicky I mean, the original DS You didn't was. really need the to slide. I mean, you didn't really need to slide. It made some of the games better, like the when you have to like, chop right. veggies or whatever. But that could easily be done with just A, A, do you, A. Do you think Beyonce will be doing the commercials for it? This I actually think she will be. Oh, um, do you? They'll probably bring her back. You, you yeah. think she? Do you think Nintendo has that much money to blow now that she's that much bigger? I don't think they'll have to blow any money. I think she's, she's gonna volunteer. Yeah, she's yeah. She loved the first Rhythm Heaven. She praised it a lot. She in, yeah, and I'm sure she uh, I'm sure she secretly had Fever on a Wii in her house that her and a Blue Ivy, her daughter, just play with Jay Z all the time. No, she actually tweeted about the Mega Mix as soon as it got announced. So. Oh, did she? Yeah. Did she? Okay yeah. then. Yeah, the, are the rest of Destiny's Child on board? At, at the real Beyonce. Are all three at the real... No, that's Trump's handle. Man, I, I name-dropped Trump like three times. This is how you know that like our politics have reached the point they have that name-dropping Trump out of nowhere. Point is, really excited for this. Um, Rhythm Heaven is probably like... I think I put it a tie for like my favorite game of all time. So With what? Um, I think it's really tied between like that, Ace Attorney, the series at least. Sure. Favorite franchise. Yeah, it's, it's, it's got to be like Ace Attorney and Rhythm Heaven. It's like... The top two. That's why I would have guessed. I, I wouldn't be able to yeah. squeeze another one. I do like Rhythm Heaven a lot. I have no rhythm. So it's not heaven for me. But I do enjoy yeah, it It's a funny because like, the games like, are so overly simple. Uh, are already simple. And if you look at some of these new mini games, they don't really look that challenging at all. But yeah. like the music is just so catchy. It is. It's just so... I don't know. Just has such it's incredibly great, well done. Such great personality. For like a, literally a, like a one or two... like Sometimes a one, sometimes a two button game. It's, it's just incredibly fun. Like I've never had so much just pure fun. I honestly would have expected it to be eShop only because Fever kind of bombed, but I'm glad to see... Well, they didn't say. They didn't say. They didn't say, but I'm glad to see one way or another it's coming over. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 
and the one final game that you want, which, which means that I may have to get creative on another front, but we'll touch on huh? that eventually. Wait, what? No, I said which means that. Yeah, what do you mean? Like, oh, you're gonna make a box for it if it doesn't box? Oh no 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 no! I, I get like because um it's coming this year and it's Pokemon's anniversary this year. Oh uh, yeah. yeah. I'm alluding to, I'm alluding to something that may or may not happen. We'll, for those we'll who missed it though, um, what's your YouTube channel it's on? Probably Wayro Studios. All right, go to youtubecom slash weiro studios one word, and go watch Jose the Angel did this really cool animation a while ago of it was actually, Rhythm Heaven's final remix, but all featuring Pokemon. Yeah, it's, and it's, he hand drew it. On it's, it's, it's literally called "What If Rhythm Heaven Had Pokemon." It went pretty viral at the time, if I remember correctly. Oh, yeah. It got like a couple was, dozen thousand views, right? And um, but yeah, it's really cool. So if you guys have never seen it, go. You first. know what? Um, we're gonna. Make a note of what time we're at at the podcast. We're gonna, I'll link to it in the blog post for this episode. So where the timestamps are to everyone listening, episode 120 on the blog, Keep go mind. there. This, is, this, was, um, this was actually my first Flash animation. So like I, I had just gotten like some Flash animation software. I'm like, all right, what it's am still do impressive. First? You don't need to downplay it. <laughs> no, but seriously, go check well, it out. I, know, I mean, cool. I mean, that was like over. Oh, that's when we were in college. That's no, that's like is at least five years. No, yeah, like, like I mean, I'm I'm happy with how it turned out, but like. But I mean, I've definitely Would looking you back at my, my game. Plug it just now. <laughs> no, I just like looking back at it now. I'm like, well, I'm like, I, especially because I'm doing going through animation courses. Right, and we'll put a note like... on the on the link <laughs> of your very first animation. Da 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 da. You should it, be proud of the legacy you left with it. It's that's more all like, I'm like I could see where a lot of improvement could be. Which, sure. Well, that's yeah. what the sequel's for for a 20th anniversary. If, if you do it, yeah. if you do it. But and you know what can help you do better with it is this third game you're excited for, which is all about drawing. Yep. Disney Art Academy. Yep. That was I'm that was. That might be my favorite transition of 2016. <laughs> that was so perfect. Um, just because it's so happenstance. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, so th- yeah the, the biggest draw for this game is that you're learning how to draw Disney characters. Yeah, it's like and, the Pokemon one, but with yeah. Mickey. And, and Disney friends. Art Academy, they, they have they have really good tutorials. I, I, like, I like Disney Art Academy. Draw, Art Academy in general. As a series. Yeah, it just has like good tutorials. And like even if you know how to draw, like I just like how they simplify everything. And like you look at the final result and you're like, whoa, I actually did that. What impresses me most about Art Academy is the fact that it's existed for four iterations now. <laughs> I thought, because the first Art Academy did kind of okay. The second one, they put out that weird sketchpad demo for Wii U and then just forgot the release for two years. So I was like, <laughs> okay, the series clearly isn't going places. Then they had Pokemon, and now they have Disney, which is huge, because there's over 80 Disney and Pixie, Pixie, 80 <laughs> Disney and Pixar characters in this game, which, yeah. or software, which is like, they're not doing bare minimum here. That's a lot. And they made a point That's to say that That's more than Elsa, there are Disney movies. So. That's true. And they made a point to say that Elsa from Frozen will be in there, as will characters from Inside Out. They made a specific point in the direct. As but what about Zootopia? It's too soon. <laughs> too soon. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, yeah, so that comes out May 13th, and I feel like... The reason I feel like it's interesting, because you're going to get because you like animation. The reason I find it interesting in art, I find it interesting because... It kind of lends credence, credence, whatever, to two different rumors that have been flying around about Nintendo. One was that leaked 3DS lineup we mentioned an episode ago. Oh, with this the Magic was on Kingdom there. thing? Yeah, and Disney Art Academy was on there as a spring release. And May 15th is definitely spring. Like, it is in the middle. Of, well, it's at the end of spring, but it's still spring. Um, but the other rumor has come out more recently, and that's a newer one that Nintendo... This is coming from Go Nintendo... Nintendo may be teaming up with Disney to make movies. Hmm. 
which is kind of a big deal, if true. So what happened was Go Nintendo received a PowerPoint presentation made by Cisco on behalf of Hasbro, looking at different ways Hasbro can improve their business, their weaknesses, their strengths. Usually companies outsource these to other third-party companies to do the analysis, the data analysis, and report back, because obviously a company's going to be biased about itself. So having an outside firm look at them and say, hey, here's what works, here's what doesn't, is more eye-opening. So in these analyses, which companies do all the time, there's always a look at competitors. And in the competitor update for Hasbro, they're talking about Nintendo and Activision and all these things in terms of toy to life. But then separately, when talking about Disney and Mattel, two competitors with Hasbro, and how they um, are shuffling some executives back and forth between them, there's the following sentence. Nintendo and Disney are coming together to create movies. That's all it says. Now, when they do these analyses, they presumably have people that know things that are doing them and are in the know. They don't just go on the internet and type and Google, like, who's making movies with Disney? And Nintendo pops up and they're like, well, user 5632 at GameFAQs sounds pretty reliable. I'm going to go ahead and quote him in this PowerPoint. These are based on some sort of evidence somewhere or some sort of behind-the-scenes dealings. So while that's all that it says, Nintendo and Disney are creating movies together, it sounds plausible based on where it's coming from, and it makes total sense. you got Disney Art Academy. Clearly, they're working together pretty closely. They previously have done Disney Channel content together. They aired the Nintendo World Championships. They aired that Mario Kart 8 thing over the uh, tournament over the holidays. Uh, they're obviously very similar companies in a variety of ways. They've done stuff before. Remember when Disney's Epic Mickey was a Wii exclusive and Nintendo was pulling it super hard? Yeah. Like, these two are pretty close. So the idea that, that Nintendo might be giving its IP expansion in terms of movies to Disney feels correct. Like, it, it certainly feels the more... The first clue was um, Bowser and Wreck-It Ralph, the star yeah, of the movie. Yeah, see? And then Wreck-It Ralph 2, they're supposedly working closer together on, too. So maybe that's what this means, but it says movies plural. So... Whether it's a partnership or they're literally making a Mario movie, who knows. But nonetheless, this sounds more plausible than when Sony was trying to make a Mario movie. Remember that uh, leak from the Sony leak? So I, yeah, I mean, if anyone's going to handle it, I feel like... I feel like Disney's yeah. the one. And it makes total sense with Nintendo's IP expansion plans. The only wrinkle Man, I can What find, a way to cross over like, two of the biggest companies that I love. Imagine if they merged. I know. Actually, that'd be weird. Well, they, I want them separate. But yeah, yes, they, 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 they can't get too... Cause I mean, like, some, I mean, Universal already has the whole... Ninten yes, Nintendo that's thing. the wrinkle in this. If Nintendo and Disney have been so buddy-buddy for so many years and are making movies together, how did Universal end up with the theme park? You would think Disney would lock that down. Yeah. Like, when they bought Star Wars, part of their plan for Star Wars was, we're going to make it crazy. Like, we're going to take over Disneyland with this. Like, so much money can be made there. You would think if they were doing it with Nintendo, some yeah. sort of partnership, they'd be like... like imagine a Nintendo Land by Disney. Yeah. That'd be nuts. But and I'm sure even the Universal one, which, by the way, is supposed to open in Japan in 2020. Um, mm. which is kind of soon in, the, guess, in terms of building theme parks. Because that's when I'm going to go back. Yeah, I guess so. But, um, well, you're going to first go the first time this summer, but then you can, yeah. then you can go back. <laughs> but I mean, um, that's when I'm going to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I just feel like that that's the one thing in this that makes me go, maybe they're not working that close together. Is they already have a deal with Universal, or Nintendo's just really good at sleeping around the theme park industry. <laughs> I don't know, but it's... Um, it's interesting. I kind of hope it's true. I would like to see Disney tackle that sort of thing. Mm. Or Nintendo let Disney do it. It could be cool. At least we'll get Wreck-It Ralph 2. That's for sure. And maybe that's all this is alluding to, but I'm hoping it's more. But the partnership rumors do not end there. It's actually been an interesting couple weeks because with an, uh, sorry, an X on the horizon, there are sources, or sources in air quotes, depending on how you want to look at it. So either real sources or, you know, sources 
who are coming out of the woodwork about like which third party companies are Nintendo's trying to court to the system, who's on board, who's bringing what, that sort of thing. So first up is EA. This rumor came out, I think, prior to our last episode, actually. But at the time, Nintendo Life was reporting that two companies, EA and Nintendo, having multiple meetings throughout March to discuss the publisher's sports games, EA sports games, and whether, you know, they can get them onto NX or not, and that sort of thing. And to be fair, I'm pretty sure these meetings happen with every publisher. Nintendo goes around and says, hey guys, here's the NX, here's what it's like. My two-week internship at Konami taught me this. People will show up, companies will show up and be like, let's, let us pitch you this console. So here's the NX, here's its controller, here's what it does, etc., etc. And EA goes, alright, we like this, we don't like that, how can you do this, how can you do that? And apparently the questions EA was asking, were asking, uh, included like, are you going to have um, advertising on sports networks during games? Because that's where our audience is for sports games. Are you going to have apps like MLB.TV or, or Game Center, which PS4 has, and that's where a lot of sports fans play games because you need those apps to attract the sports fans so they buy our games. Or uh, can we bundle our games with your hardware? How open to you are, are you to that? Ultimately, what they want to do is revive the unprecedented partnership <laughs> um. that, they, that EA pit, uh, said they had back at E3 when the Wii U was unveiled. So Nintendo's kind of, I don't know if Nintendo's kind of EA or EA's coming to Nintendo, but either way, they're meeting in the middle right of this right now and just being like, okay, what can we do to make sports games happen on NX? And those are the stipulations. So to me, that sounds pretty typical for EA to be like, we want to make sure we have an audience. We want to make sure our games are promoted as heavily as possible. You know, we want to make sure you're up to date with your app ecosystem in a way that sports fans will care and buy your system. Like, all that makes sense. So I would say this rumor is probably true, and it bodes well in the sense of Nintendo's actually going out and talking to companies and trying to right wrongs from the Wii U. But I don't think anything necessarily is going to come of this. Like, if it happens, it, like I think it's a 50-50 chance if they actually bring the games to, to NX, because it really depends on what Nintendo says to these questions. But at least we know the questions, or at least the questions are reportedly being asked, which is good. So, going one step further, here's a second rumor. Uh, and this involves Activision. And their plans right next. So, as we all know, Nintendo has had a much better relationship with Activision than EA. I mean, Skylanders is a huge hit on Nintendo platforms. Obviously, it does quite well because they made the Bowser and Donkey Kong Skylander amiibo. Did you ever get those? Do you have those? I got the Bowser one. Oh, that's right, you did. And I might get the Donkey Kong one soon because the price keeps dropping. Yeah, for thirty nine bucks, you could get the game, the Donkey Kong, and the vehicle. So. By the way, all these price drops really prove the thing that I've been reading lately, that uh, The Last Skylanders kind of underperformed. I yeah. mean, you're getting the game and the figurine for the price of a third of the game back during the holidays. Almost the price of just Bowser. Yeah, yeah. But either way, they've had, regards to the latest sales, they have a good relationship with Nintendo Activision. So, this rumor is about what they're going to bring to the table, and according to a site called Dual Pixels... Activision is planning to bring a Skylanders game at launch in 2016 to the NX, which is no surprise, as well as take another shot at giving Nintendo fans a Call of Duty game. Supposedly this year, if NX launches this year, it will come with a game that's been currently dubbed Bloodlines, Call of Duty Bloodlines. That sounds plausible. We've seen them do it before. Um, but that's not all. Then, in 2017, according to this rumor, the NX will be getting a Activision-made Spider-Man game that ties Spider-Man into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Because they own the Spider-Man game rights, and they get to keep those, even though... Because Sony still has the movie rights, they're just lending them to Marvel. Which is weird, because Marvel's the one that originally sold them to Sony, so it's, it's very complicated. But yeah, so it'll be a Spider-Man game on NX. Again, we've seen that before. When Wii U launched, it got a Spider-Man game then early the next 
the year after it came out as well. Uh, so that's familiar territory. But then things get, things get interesting because apparently, according to the rumor, Nintendo is pushing hard to get Destiny on NX. Mm. And they are pushing hard in the sense of giving Activision what, be, what Dual Pixels call, quote, a hard bargain to guarantee... I don't know what that means. To guarantee that they're going to have... This is where it's interesting. The beta of the sequel to Destiny on NX. So NX folk... And I don't know if it's exclusive or not, but NX folk would be able to try for free Destiny 2, which is apparently being called Beyond Destiny. I'm not a fan of that name. But, um, yeah, Nintendo's apparently trying to get that beta for NX people in early, tw- in early 2017. And then the final release in late 2017. Also, if this goes through, we will get on NX the complete edition of the first Destiny, also in early 2017. This is where the rumor falls apart for me a little. Sure, I believe the Destiny thing to a T. In fact, Reggie has once name-dropped Destiny as a good example of a third-party game Nintendo would like. In an interview a long time ago, he was, talking, he was saying, like, oh, Destiny, things like Destiny would be great. So, the, the seed was planted early. But, uh-huh. but, the reasoning they're giving for why they want Destiny on NX, Activision, is where I find things a little weird. According to a pixel, Activision wants it on NX for two reasons. One, NX has the, will have the ability to do local and online multiplayer simultaneously. Which the Wii U already does, so that's plausible. You know, we can play Mario Kart side-by-side online on one Wii U. Destiny, in theory, they want to test you and me shooting aliens side-by-side online. Sure. That's plausible. But then this other one out of nowhere in the rumors, just like, oh, and also a mainline Pokemon game's coming to NX in 2017. And Activision's like, hey, new audience, because of all those Pokemon fans. You just have it's to like, say that. <laughs> what? <laughs> First of all, if you pick it apart, Possibly. Every year now we have a new Pokemon game. If NX is truly the next handheld and console, be it a hybrid or two devices, yes, the NX is going to have a Pokemon game in 2017 that is a mainline Pokemon game. And yes... Because there won't be a 3DS for it to release on. Or the 3DS will be. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And yes, following that logic, there will be a guaranteed large audience on NX because so many people will buy Pokemon. And yes, following that logic, that gives Activision a new audience to latch on to of people who may be Pokemon gamers that are a bit older but never played Destiny because they, um, you know, only own Nintendo systems or whatever, and Destiny has RPG elements, has a shooter, so it could, in theory, attract Pokemon people. Sure. All of that makes sense. But they said it as if it was fact, and I don't know if Activision's really saying they're going, how can we make Destiny better? Let's get the Pokemon fans. Like, I don't know. Maybe I'm being too narrow-minded in this, but that part like, like is a red flag Completely different me. games. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's no... I, that's almost like... I can't even think of a comparison. That's all... I guess that's almost like act, if EA came out with a console and Activision's like, hey, we're interested in your console because all your Madden players might love Guitar Hero. It's just like, what? <laughs> like, I mean, yes, a gamer will like another game, but I don't think... There are many things I don't think line up especially the fact there's going to be a new mainline Pokemon on NX in 2017. While probably true, I'm guessing it's a remake, not a Sun and Moon style game, because we're getting Sun and Moon this year, which means the next one following the pattern is going to be a direct sequel or a remake. Nothing that's going to make people, like, roll into a store like a tsunami of zombies or something to pick up. (laughs) You know, like in World War Z where they're climbing the wall or whatever. I don't think that's going to happen for the NX if there's a Pokemon in 2017 that's just a remake. So that rumor I'm a little hesitant about. But I think everything else makes sense. Um, the last rumor, and probably the biggest of all, and the most specific, 
is from Destructoid, who is reliable, usually. So this rumor is that their sources say Nintendo is pulling a Bayonetta 2 and is going to fund the rest of the development of Beyond Good and Evil 2 for Ubisoft and then make it an NX exclusive in 2017. So they're bayonetting. They're bayonetting. Yes. And this one I can believe. So basically the idea is that Beyond Good and Evil, much like Bayonetta, much like uh, the games from, oh, I'm blanking on his name, the guy that made Devil's Third. The dude from Team Ninja that then went off and did his own thing. Itagaki? Yes. Him. Whatever his name is. Bayonetta and his games have cult followings. They have large followings in the gaming world. Even though they underperformed as games selling, like sales-wise, they still like having them as like a jewel in the crown sort of thing. Beyond Good and Evil, gamers love. It's a cult classic. It what did. console was that for? PS2, Xbox, and GameCube. It was Ubisoft's version of Zelda, basically. It had a really good story. Never it had it. a I've big only... photography element. Uh, it was like an adventure game. It's kind of like Star Fox Adventure. Yeah. She has stats. I've only ever seen like screenshots of it. I've never actually and seen it. gameplay. Or... Craft. Huh. It's really fun. I have it. But um, yeah, so that game kind of fits the cookie cutter of Bayonetta and stuff where it's like has a huge cult following. Gamers will view it as a big win for Nintendo if they get it. Sales-wise, it didn't perform as well as people had hoped when it first came out, but... Does that matter to Nintendo, or are they just doing it for appearances? So I could see... I mean, obviously they want it to sell well, but is it going to be the next blockbuster? I don't know if they care that much. I could see them doing this for those reasons. Mm. And the rumors are... I mean, Ubisoft showed it off years ago in a teaser, like a pre-rendered teaser, and then said nothing. They're like, yeah, it's still being worked on, still being worked on. But Destructor has two different sources saying it looks like it is coming to a Nintendo system. So I, I could definitely see this happening, and I want to see this happening, because I do want the sequel. It'd be cool. Um... But so, so that's the last rumor. It's just we may get Beyond Good and Evil too. And regardless of how many of these are true, EA, Activision, Disney, um, Ubisoft with Beyond Good and Evil. Which, by the way, the thing about Ubisoft is they are very focused right now. I don't know if you notice this. All their releases are like these very momentous occasions. Like the Division is this huge multi-million budget game that they expect to sell gangbusters, and like Watch Dogs was so hyped for so long. They don't come out with smaller projects. So if Beyond Good and Evil 2 was put on hiatus because it's not going to sell well enough, I could definitely see Ubisoft being like, yeah, I guess Nintendo, if you want to fund it, go ahead. We don't have enough faith to make it the next 10 million seller. So that lines mm. up too. But what I was going to say is the EA stuff, the Activision stuff, the Ubisoft stuff, even the Disney stuff, regardless of how true the rumors are, what they sh suggest to me is that there are some serious behind-the-scenes negotiations going on with Nintendo, and they have learned from the Wii U, and they do realize it's crucial to have third parties, and this is the, the song and dance we go through with every new Nintendo console, I know. But it seems like they are legitimately trying to right the wrongs of the Wii U, which gives me hope that they really so know what they're seems. doing with NX. What? So it seems. So it seems, and I'm hoping it's true. We, we've definitely entered crazy Nintendo rumor season, where like every day there's something new. But I'm hoping all of this coming out of the woodwork around the same time suggests there might actually be a chance that Nintendo's that confident in the NX and know they're going to nail it, that they're really trying to get all the games on. Hmm. But but we'll see. We'll see. The, the one last rumor worth mentioning, also from Destructoid, <laughs> apparently there's a photo of the uh, NX controller floating around. I don't know if I'd buy it. So a long time ago on the show, like months ago, we talked about that patent where the controller, instead of having plastic between the buttons, it was a screen. Yeah, And then someone, some enterprising fella, decided, hey, I see that patent, I'm going to recreate it as a physical thing and take a photo. 
with a screen running an Unreal Engine 4 mobile demo, which is certainly a plausible thing that the NX will run if it's on handheld and console. Yeah, it's probably going to run the mobile-optimized Unreal Engine 4, not the console-heavy one. So that almost makes sense. Um, where it falls apart in my mind is, one, the thing looks ridiculous. Two, he forgot the grips from the patent. In the patent, there's a oval shape. It looks like a rear-view mirror with two little, like, side grips on for your hands to rest on. They're under the thumb. Like, there's a drawing of a thumb, and then under it, you see a grip. Like, it's like a double-layered drawing. He forgot those. It's just the rear-view mirror part that happens to have some sensors along the top. Maybe it's real, but if this is made up, and he's trying to mimic the patent, shouldn't he have included the entire picture from the patent? But then that leads to issue number two, which is this is a patent for uh, functionality, not design. So Nintendo files a functionality patent. The thing in the patent is not all what it actually looks like. It's just to show the point. Like, you know, they could show a generic controller for a GameCube controller, and it doesn't mean the game controller looks like this generic whatever. So in this case, he basically mimicked the patent to a T, but why would the patent have the final controller design if that's not necessary for the sake of the patent? Why would someone like, sit there and draw it? I feel like that wouldn't be the case no matter what, because like, no matter... Like, if you're filing a patent for, like, an idea for a controller, yeah. it's not like, like, yep, we nailed it in our first try. Exactly. Not like, only that, but, like, the patent, the other patent we discussed in tandem with this one back in, like, that, well, that controller, in I mean, around December, that one, it's like, hey, look at this box that lets you enhance what you're doing when you're connected to it, like, better graphics or whatever. It was literally just a box. It wasn't, like, a console. It was not. It was a square <laughs> that said figure A in it. This yeah. is essentially, this patent, this oval thing that now has a real photo is essentially that. Not only that, but like, Nintendo doesn't seem like the kind of company that would really, really expect us to play a game on a screen that looks like that. Not only that, you've seen it, right? Yeah. Not like, only that, but there's it a looks couple... Ridiculous. It looks like... It's not ergonomic. Yeah. It, it's not all ergonomic. You cover too much doesn't it doesn't follow any kind of dimensions. For it doesn't. Yeah. It looks like it, like, it looks warped in the picture almost. Yeah. But it's weird because like, if you're going to make the controller at least put the prongs on the side to give it the ergonomics that Nintendo put in the initial patent for the sake of just having them there. Like, I, that's the thing that most people... Maybe I'm misreading... Mis well, I don't... At the well, picture, like, like some people say that, like, oh, well, when they send out prototypes to developers, sometimes, like, even the console don't look anything like... That is true. But... If they still expect the people that are developing the house to play the game, yeah. they have to still have a functional controller, even if it doesn't look like the final one. The example I've seen flowing around is like, well, no, 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 Nintendo has unfinished controllers is what the original gamepad looked like. The prototype that uh, Nintendo showed in Iwata asks, it is a square screen in a hunk of plastic with two Wiimotes taped on either side with nunchucks. So it's like, nunchuck Wiimote, plastic thing with a screen, nunchuck Wiimote. And you're like, that's how the first Wii gamepad, Wii U gamepad looked. Yeah, but that thing never left Nintendo, people. Like, it, you can't, how you even ship that out to companies in the West? Like, how you send it that parts, to America? Build it. I get, is it like a build your own, like DIY gamepad? Like, by the time it goes out to companies, the controller is essentially finalized, or not fully finalized, but its form factor is at least a single component. So if you have the rear view mirror with these screens and no grips, that's not the final thing. There's no way that's the final thing. There's nowhere the fact that it curves into the fact that it curves into like a teardrop, like a rear view mirror where it like curves around the edges and gets smaller in the part you hold it makes absolutely no sense. <laughs> like it's not even that's not what are you holding? There's nothing there. <laughs> and then you reach into the bigger part for the thumbstick. How does it not fall out of your hand? It makes it, do you use friction? Like, how does it, it doesn't make sense. So, as much as I would love for something like this controller to really exist, I said it when we talked about it in December, I'll say it now, I think it's a cool idea. Especially if it does stuff like the haptic buttons, 
right the buttons are in the screen but use this 3d touch style technology like the iphone so it feels like you're pressing a button like that could be really cool this is not it i don't think i will happily eat my hat if it is but i, I seriously do not think this is it when people say that I'm not, i don't have a hat to eat that's a nice wrinkle in my little well, scheme I mean, so some people have eaten like little chocolate hats okay i'll eat a chocolate hat if it's chocolate i'll do anything oh, yeah, it's chocolate if it's in the shape of a hat all right deal let's shake on this if this is real I'll eat a chocolate hat. Right. We're shaking. No one can see it, but we're shaking. Hmm, where will we find these chocolate hats? I don't know. eBay. Oh, I'll eat chocolate. <laughs> eBay. Amazon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazon. All right. But, uh, but yeah, so if you haven't seen the photo, though, it is... We do link to it on the blog post for all you out there. And more to the point, like I said with the um, with the rumors about the partnerships, we are officially in crazy Nintendo rumor season, and it's the most fun about Nintendo I don't feel recording. like there's a new rumor coming out like every hour. I know. It was, it's been ramping up for a few months now, but it's been patents and things that seem grounded in reality, and now it's just like whatever people feel like. So this is going to be fun. From now to E3, it's just going to be a roller coaster. So I'm excited. Uh, but we should probably end our news coverage with a bit more grounded news, like some actual solid, factual things. <laughs> Good old-fashioned things we can actually Good back old, with data. Yeah, remember when news meant facts? We're going back to those simpler times. So at our final segment for news, um, MPD numbers for February. Jason Sales Corner. It's kind of brief. Don't worry. Um, yeah, so MPD put out its February sales numbers. And um, here in the U.S. is what it covers. And while it was a big month for releases across many platforms, we have Fire Emblem, we have Street Fighter, etc., etc., the industry as a whole actually fell 12%, and you can blame Nintendo. Because... February 2015, a year ago, was the launch of the new 3DS XL and Majora's Mask 3D. And this year, nothing met that. Hardware sales were down 58%. Or, sorry, handheld hardware sales were down 58% compared to that time last year. So, what do you expect? When you launch a new console and a year later you don't launch a console, of course that's going to drag things down. So, um, that's not to say Nintendo didn't do well this month on the software front they did quite well uh as i mentioned earlier in the show fire emblem fates in total has sold nearly four hundred thousand copies during just the tracking period which was about two two and a half weeks three hundred thousand of those copies were opening weekend of the game in the first three days that makes it sell that means it sold at a rate five times faster than the last best-selling fire emblem which was awakening and now holds the record for the fastest selling fire emblem game in u.s history quite a turnaround quite a turnaround from Awakening possibly being the last Fire Emblem ever because they were worried it wouldn't sell. Mm. Yeah, we now have a genuine hit game on our hands. And if all three versions were sold as a single game, as a single SKU, as it's called, it would have been number three on the February charts. It would have only been behind Far Cry Primal and Black Ops 3. However, because it's fractured into three games, um, or fractured into three games, only Birthright charted in the number nine spot but even then, the fact that a third of Fire Emblem sales, just a third, or a th one of three versions, I should say, were able to reach number nine on the chart while the two other versions sold as well as they did, that says a lot about how well it did. So in all, Birthright accounted for 44% of all the sales, Conquest accounted for 41% of all the sales, and the Special Edition, which is why I bought the one that has all, you know, Birthright, Conquest, and the DLC preloaded that uh, for Revelation. That took up the remaining 15%, which I think was more due to shortages than anything else. I bet you it would have been higher if they didn't have shortages. So, all in all, it was, it was pretty good. And it helped the 3DS hardware do pretty well as well. Uh, 3DS sold 172,000 systems in November, or, wow, November, in February. And um, 
that's down about 56% compared to the, the last February where uh, the new 3DS XL launched. That that time, it sold 395000 Now it's at 192. But really, when you compare it, like I was saying earlier, when you compare it to a system launch, of course it's got to do lower. And the fact that it only did half of what it did, opposed to even less, I think that speaks well for Fire Emblem. I think it, the 3DS has been trending down so long that it's kind of nice to see it actually. It's still down year over year, but it's 172 is nothing to scoff at. That's a pretty good number. Um, Nintendo also had a good month for um, virtual sales, namely eShop stuff. Hmm. So uh, the virtual console release of Pokemon Blue, Red, and Yellow combined, fastest selling eShop game in its first week ever, surpassing Smash Bros. Anyone surprised, really? You know, it's Pokemon Anniversary Week. You have three very nostalgic games all coming out at once. Of course, combined, they'd sell better than Smash. But separate from that, Badger, uh, Badge Academy has also now passed 1 million copies downloaded. Hmm. Which, pretty good for a game that's literally about giving Nintendo your money. Yeah. Yeah. I've given it... Again, so I've given it maybe two books because... Before, like, Only I'm sure... two? I've given it, like, eight. <laughs> because... And that was me, with, like, restraining myself. Um, we, did, we we were doing pretty well good about checking every day. I don't know if you still check it every day. No. But, um, I stopped checking it every day. It's hard to check in, actually. Um, a long time ago. Like, a little while ago. But at one point, there were just those days where I would check it, and then, all of a sudden, chat talk. And I'm like, oh my god, I have to have <laughs> chat talk. And I look up at the top, and it says, last day. And I'm like, oh, man... And then so I had to put down and, and, then I, and then I look at my free plays and I only get one free play and I'm like, oh man, like I can't do it. It's impossible. Yeah. Like yeah, you, need yeah. that, you need at least two. Yeah. So I had to like pay like on on a few occasions because of chat out or something rhythm heaven related, I've had to pay. Right. Look, look at me, hear me, like had to pay. Um. Yeah. So that's pretty much it. Had to. Yeah, you had have no to. choice. You can't just close the 3ds and walk away. It was like life or death. I mean, I don't know when it's gonna rotate out again. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> there was genuine panic in that in your voice just now. I mean, they have to have that chat talk. It's I understand. And I have I that understand. chat talk now too. It's on my crowd on the the home screen. Worth two bucks? Oh, immensely, yeah. Okay. Well, the chat talk <laughs> was only one of those books. The other one was some rhythm heaven character or something. All right. Well, yeah. dollar well spent. Very well spent, I'd say. So. You know what's unfortunate is those two bucks you gave did not help Nintendo overall though. Because uh, the last bit of data I have here for the sales corner... Well, actually, two things I lied. First, in case you're wondering, Wii U hardware down year over year. Um, it went from 95000 a year ago to 70000 So that's not a great sign. But what's worse for Nintendo and why your dollar didn't help them is a few weeks ago, they announced that they had to cut their profit forecast by 34% because of their weak holiday sales and um, the yen increasing against the dollars. So they're originally hoping to make 50 million yen in profit. They had to lower that to 33 million yen. Well. Which I'm now thinking that percentage doesn't add up with those numbers. Whatever. Uh, Nintendo also had to re revise their sales forecast, which I don't know what they're thinking. So after, when we talked about their last financials, we're like, oh yeah, their sales forecast is unchanged. They legitimately thought that they're going to um, continue selling 3DSs at the rate that they thought originally they're going to, they're going to, they're going to, they're going to late performance. And they thought the Wii U would still sell at the rate was, that they forecasted a year ago even though it, too, had a weak holiday performance. They came to their senses. So they had to lower um, the hardware sales of 3DS by 13% and the software sales by 16%. Meanwhile, kind of surprisingly, um, Wii U hardware estimates were able to stay roughly where they were, while software estimates actually went up by 17%, probably because Splatoon is blowing up like no other over in Japan. Yeah. 
So, Nintendo makes some adjustments, and I mean, if nothing else, this shows that they really are in a transitional year. That You know, they're kind of like, okay, the system, our current stuff isn't selling as well, except Splatoon. That makes sense as we move to NX, and we move towards our IP strategy, and Mitomo, and everything. So, to bring the entire news segment all together, they know this year's, you know, this is a year of change. This is the year that we're going to see NX phase in, potentially, but we're certainly going to see Wii U and 3DS phase out. We're getting the last hurrahs. Mitomo's the first step in the new direction, while things like Star Fox, Paper Mario, and whatnot are the steps yeah. going the other way. So, so you know, and there's not much to expect. I'm not surprised they did that. They're going to actually release their full financials on April 27th, I believe, and of course we'll cover it in full here on the show in the following episode. But that's yeah. like a month from now. So that pretty much does it for news. Um, you and I have been playing video games. Even while I was in South Africa... I was still able to come back and play some Zelda. I was playing Hearthstone until recently. But yeah, yeah I, uh, I wanted to play a lot of Fire Emblem Fates in South Africa. That was my plan. Was the whole I had 25 hours of flying to do on the way home or something you like could, that. That's practically and then, green. And then my 3DS charging cable decided to stop working. The 3DS is fine. The cable is not. Okay, so I got to stare at a blank screen and watch eight movies. <laughs> oh. Yeah. But I did play Twilight Princess, and I did watch your impressions about Twilight Princess HD. Um... And then we could do Mute Mud Super Challenge for you, and then we'll announce our Pokemon winner. Yep. And then we'll uh, wrap it up. So, uh, yeah, so Twilight Princess. I should probably start by saying that Twilight Princess itself is a really great game. Like, I love Twilight Princess. I have really fond memories of when the Wii came out in 2006 and sitting there waggling to swing the sword and stuff and being really into it. And actually, by my standards, getting pretty far in the game. So, um, revisiting on Wii U... Well, it did reveal some minor flaws. For example, it really is slow to get starting. You go through a lot of, like, tutorial-ish stuff just to get into the meat of the game. Or things like, you know, Hyrule Field, or maybe maybe it's a bit bigger than it needs to be. There's a lot of just aimlessly... Not really aimlessly, but a lot of running to get around. But ignoring those minor flaws, it is overall a really solid game and remains a really solid game. E- uh, you know, even if people are saying it's basically... These days, ten years later, are saying it's Ocarina of Time on steroids, which it kind of is. But, uh, so... We're, Point being, for my impressions of the Wii U remaster, I thought it'd be kind of less about the game itself, which is a very good game, and more about like how it's being reintroduced, like how Nintendo chose to do it. So I think it's probably safe to say that if you look at how people have treated Twilight Princess HD versus, say, Wind Waker HD from a few years ago, there's not as much attention or hype or really buzz about it. And I think it's kind of key that when you look at this game, you've got to gauge your expectations accordingly. It's less Wind Waker HD, it's more Ocarina of Time 3D or Majora's Mask 3D, meaning it's less of a reimagining and more of a revisiting of sorts. Like, when you frame it that way, I think Nintendo and the developers over at, uh, who did it? Tantalus, there we go. Nintendo at Tantalus, I think they did a really good job of basically doing what they've done in the past with Ocarina and Majora. So, like, Wind Waker was unique. Wind Waker HD, and the reason I keep comparing it to this is because it seems like everyone's like, oh, it's not like Wind Waker HD, and that's right, it's not. Because Wind Waker HD was unique in that it was essentially, they redid the whole look of the game, they like rounded out the cell shading, they added all sorts of pretty hefty gameplay additions, like the uh, message and bottle thing for Miiverse, or the um, PictoBox like selfie photo sharing. They didn't drastically change the game, but they were enhancements that ran pretty deep into it and helped you know, generate buzz and word of mouth, especially the selfies with Link. Uh, Twilight, on the other hand, 
is more like nips, tucks, and kind of rebalances, which is what we've seen primarily from the Ocarina of Time updates on 3DS, the, Majora Ma the Majora's Mask update on 3DS. And I feel like because Twilight Princess already looked really great on the Wii, thanks to it hiding its imperfections behind like really heavy bloom lighting, the HD one, without these Wind Waker-style like crazy overhauls and without like the drastic graphical difference because it was just cleaning up the bloom line, cleaning up the textures and sharpening things and enhancing things a little, it doesn't have that same instant like wow factor that Wind Waker did, which might hurt it in a way, but if you look at it as like, okay, it's the same way they took Ocarina and cleaned it up for 3DS, then you're like, all right, that's actually pretty reasonable. So all that said... I thought I'd kind of run through why I could say the pros and cons of the remake. So first up, the pros. Uh, the gamepad enhancements are great. Similar to what they did with Ocarina and Majora on 3DS with the touchscreen, Twilight Princess has like nicely streamlined options on the gamepad. You got the map, you got the items at all times. Only when, obviously when you're using off-TV play, those aren't there. But when you're doing the two-screen thing, they're there. And they work just as great and convenient as you're used to with any other like enhanced Zelda re-release, which is what this basically is. Um... But they also do, I guess kind of like Majora and Ocarina as well, is they take advantage of the gyro for the first-person stuff, be it looking around, bow and arrow, slingshot, etc., etc., uh, whatever it may be. Um, so it's a nice mix in that regard in terms of like the functionality of what you'd want from a gamepad, using game combined with like some of the motion control from the Wii one, combined with a lot more of the button-heavy stuff from the GameCube one of Twilight Princess, and they all just kind of merge together into this nice ball of like, I guess the best really it's probably the best control options like as much as I at the time liked waggling the Wii mode and I do always associate Twilight Princess with shaking that controller just to do a spin attack it is much more convenient to just hit a button yet still have some of the gyro stuff for aiming which was one of the core things that blew me away at Twilight Princess the first time around because I was like you know the first motion game like that that I had even though for whatever reason the original Twilight Princess didn't let you aim with the Wii mode when you were doing the Hawkeye mode so you have to yep. like tweak it with the d-pad and yeah but you could do it for like the slingshot and bow and arrow oh, yeah. and that's copied over but yeah. but yeah you're right that was a weird now that you mentioned that's a Did really weird oversight do you know because i mean you, you, uh, you get that what? the the when you go into first person mode no because there's a there, there's like a, a scoping method it's like you it's like a bird mask that you put oh, on oh yeah yeah and it would actually like see for really far away it was for shooting arrows like really precisely at a distance but in the Wii, in the Wii version... Well, everything that's in first person in this one is now mapped to motion. So oh. I assume so could that, that be, would include could that. that? <laughs> that would be cool, because if not, then it would still be a tedious, like... I mean, I guess it'd be super yeah. precise with the D-pad. I'd, I'd assume it does. And, oh, also one thing with the gamepad, this is such a minor thing, but... You can use ZR, like the second Z trigger, as in secondary A button. Which I found myself doing a lot. Like, instead of hitting A, I was constantly hitting the basically the trigger ZR to do the A the a equivalent and it's it's actually very comfy like i would be happy with them doing that for zelda wii u in fact i think all this gamepad stuff is just like a good appetizer for what zelda wii u will do i mean obviously it's good do the map more significantly and stuff but i don't know after playing this if i can go back to a zelda game that doesn't ha constantly have the map and constantly have the items at your fingertips then you don't need to pause or miss with too many menus like it is quite nice. So you're saying Zelda for you is a two-screen game now. It is now, yeah. And Twilight is now just catching up with that. But beyond just the gamepad, I think... Um, like, all all the gamepad stuff alone, I feel like, makes Twilight Princess HD probably the best possible version of the game. But then you realize that they also, because of Hero Mode, which is the enhanced difficulty that you can get from the start, they've also basically included both the full Wii version of Twilight Princess and the GameCube version of Twilight Princess in the same disc 
with these new features. Because, like, the GameCube one was literally the Wii version except mirrored. Hero mode is mirrored. So now you have both mirrors, like both left-hand link and right-hand link, on one disc that you can access at any time. You can turn on hero mode. You know, you, when you start your file, they ask you to do audio hero mode. You'll have to unlock it, like in, I believe, Ocarina of Time 3D. First had to play normal and then unlock it or something like yeah. that. So it's there from the start. And you basically have both variants You have with hero mode for added difficulty. You have um, the extra motion controls. And then on top of that, you have the amiibo stuff, which... It's kind of gimmicky. I mean, you're just kind of unlocking things. In some cases, like with Link or Zelda, they give you arrows or hearts. And there is the plastic paywall of Ganondorf unlocking the, the double damage difficulty if you mm-hmm. scan him. But nonetheless, it is kind of nice to have these extra things. And it does come with Wolf Link bundled with the game. And Wolf Link does unlock those new series of challenges that are exclusive to this one. So now, just to keep stacking the deck here... You got both mirrors, you got the gamepad, you got an extra challenge mode, and you got some extra difficulties if you have to have a Ganondorf Amiibo. Like, there's no real reason why you wouldn't want this Twilight Princess versus hunting down one of the older ones. And now on top of that, of course, are the graphics, which are the biggest thing about Twilight Princess HD, because it's right in the name, the graphics are now in HD. And in many cases, it does look a lot nicer, it does look crisper. Characters in particular, I found, look especially good, Specifically when you look at them through the first-person mode, like when you're right up against them and you switch to first-person, they look very detailed. Their clothing textures are super detailed. Um, Like, it does, for the most part, look very good, but it's also a bit... So it's a pro, but it's also a bit of a con because there are other parts of the game that don't look quite as good. So now they almost stick out more. Because the thing with Twilight Princess is that, as I mentioned earlier, bloom lighting hit a lot of its imperfections the first time around. Like, when you look back at Twilight Princess, you don't think, okay, GameCube games were a bit jagged, they were kind of lower res, they were in HD. You just think, wow, everything had that nice, like, hue going on, had that glow. It, it had, like, a cool, like the Twilight Realm had that cool look where it's kind of yeah. sepia. And that's because the bloom lighting hid all those imperfections. They just glossed over a lot of the jaggedness by just making it blow out in those spots the, with the lighting. And... The Twilight Realm still obviously has that vign- that uh, signature visual look in a- in the HD one, but it's almost... I feel like in a way, it's almost kind of like devaluing what Nintendo's trying to do by updating the HD, because your memory remembers, oh, the bloom line looks so good. Like, the Wii one looks so good because of that bloom line that when you look at the bloom lit this one, you're like, kind of looks the same. I mean, yeah, they up-res things, but they're covered in bloom lighting. A little less so, but they're still there. So you're kind of like, okay, I mean, this, I guess it's sharper, sure. Like, some of it really jumps out at you, but some of it doesn't, because your memory's playing tricks on you a little. If you do side-by-side, side, yes, things are definitely crisper and sharper, but just, like, I wasn't... In the Twilight Realm in particular, I wasn't as blown away by the visuals as I thought I would be, because I think the bloom lighting messed with my mind a little from the first time around. But there's also, like occasional textures and the like that don't feel as detailed as they could be. Like, Wind Waker HD had the perk of everything was super, like, simple, blocky colors. This one, there's a lot of details, so when things look really good, like clothing, like, oh, that looks really good, but when things look not as good, like maybe a brown texture or something, it kind of jumps out at you a little more. So it almost, again, almost hurts it a little, but it's not like the game looks dated or anything. It's just not as instantly obvious of a 100% perfect visual overhaul as, say, Wind Waker was when they HD'd it. Um, the bigger bummer for me, though, so that's, I, so graphics overall, to be clear, I mean, they are better, just I'm nitpicking a little, but the bigger bummer for me 
is that the developers didn't really seize the opportunity to run with Miiverse. Like, in Wind Waker HD, it became kind of a core component of the game, and I think something like the message in a ball system would have been nice in Twilight Princess. It probably could have made sense, but they chose not to do that. Obviously, the selfie picto box doesn't make sense, but um, message in a ball would have been cool, but they chose instead to just have Miiverse stamps. And that's pretty standard in every game. So it's kind of like, oh, they did bare minimum. Like, Wii U offers this cool Miiverse thing for, you know, you can use it for gameplay hints like in Wind Waker, and instead they just gave you stamps. I will give them credit, though, in that um, the way you find these stamps is actually really clever. Instead of just getting them through cheap achievements or something, they're hidden in treasure chests all, treasure chests all over Hyrule. And you actually have to go specifically find these stamps. So it's like a little extra treasure hunt to do on top of what the game already offers in terms of item collection and whatnot. So that's kind of nice. But I feel like it's a bit of a missed opportunity. And the la uh, the next thing on my con list is that the game, at least for me, has actually been kind of glitchy, which is weird. Really? A little. I've had issues don't really with... hear that I, word on Nintendo. I know. That's what surprised me. I've had some camera clipping issues where, like, the camera just kind of jumps... Like, there's camera clipping. There's things where, like, the camera kind of jumps around. I don't really know... Why? Like, I'll walk up to the side of, like, a house, and they'll just, like, swing around and show, like, Link really close, and I'm like, well, why'd you do that? Um, there's at least one instance where I've had Link standing up against a, kind of like a steep, not a steep hill, but like a hill that acts as, you know, a wall, as they do, and for some reason, like, he's partly in it, instead of on it. You know what I mean? Like, his hand goes in it or something, like, the texture, like, they mapped it wrong, or I don't know. And there's also a weird one I can show you a video if you're curious where, you know in the beginning of the game, um, you have to like fish for the cat uh -huh. in the village. Well, before I fished for the cat, I went to go see the cat. And I got the cat to do the thing where it like runs away from you, kind of. Except that I was standing in front of it, and I was next to a wall. So the cat just did its running animation back and forth between me and, like, basically it was like a, me and a wall formed a wall together. So we were like a solid thing. And it just did its running animation. It was like going like left, right, left, right, left, right, right between my leg and the wall. So it was facing forward, but it was like zigzagging between nothing. And it stayed there for about 20 seconds before the game finally I was like, oh, wait a minute, go around. And I was like, this is really, for a Nintendo release, this is weird. Like, it's all very minor things. But it just jumped out at me because like that never happened, especially in Zelda. Yeah. So that, that was, I mean, that's something they can easily fix with a patch. But that's just weird to see like in any Nintendo game. And my, la my last con, this is a very minor nitpick. I hate, this would be a pet peeve of mine since the original Twilight Princess. Who decided it was a good idea to have the text boxes have white text with glowing yellow that as you read the text box gets brighter and brighter and bigger and bigger in its yellowness, thus drowning out the white text on top of it. Even worse is when you have the important red text, like you need to go to the mine shaft. And it's like red, you know, mine shafts in red or whatever. It's really hard to read red when it has orange-yellowy light coming behind it, it, basically engulfing it. I don't know why they have to glow. They don't have to glow in Nintendo. It's fine. I know it's like the most nitpicky thing, but even in the original Twilight Princess, I'm like, who, who decided to do that? But anyway, nitpicks aside, because I got kind of very specific in this, nitpicks aside, um, what you have with Twilight Princess, with its graphical updates, some parts are great, some are not, with its glitches, with its enhancements, with its gamepad, with its Miiverse stamps. What you have with all this is easily the best overall version of an already really good game. So if you've never played Twilight Princess, this is a no-brainer. Go buy it on Wii U. If you're like me and haven't played Twilight Princess in like the better part of a decade, and you kind of want to revisit it, again, no-brainer. 
go get Twilight Princess HD. If you're someone who knows the game like the back of your hand, but maybe wants to play a harder version, there are two options for you. There's Hero Mode, and there's the Ganondorf scan, in which doubles damage dealt, which makes it even more difficult, making it literally the most difficult Zelda game ever released. So, I'd recommend again, go get it. If you have any remote interest in this game and are willing to double dip if you already owned it, you will be happy with it. It just is not going to change your perspective. It's not just. It's not going to be a complete like overhaul, like Wind Waker HD. But if you knowing that, if you still have an interest in this game, it is on a smaller scale than Wind Waker, but it's still a really good revamp in its own right or revisit, I should say. So overall. You're probably going to enjoy yourself. I recommend picking it up. And if nothing else, the Wolf Link Amiibo looks really freaking cool. So, yeah. So that that's my little spiel on Twilight Princess. As for the game itself, like I said, if you've never played Twilight Princess, it's a really good game. So this is just why you should get this version in particular. But, but yeah, that pretty much does it for my impressions of Twilight. You, sir, though, thank you. Thank you kindly. You, sir, have been playing uh, Mutant Mud. So do you want to talk about I that have. a bit? No, um... Mutant Mud Super Challenge, it's a, it's a simple game, and when I mean simple, I just mean, um, it's very simple to describe, because there isn't much to it, it's just, uh, it's a, it's a, plat it's a platformer with shooting elements, and that's pretty much the game in a nutshell, but what makes this one really, really fun, if you played the original one, it ramped up in difficulty, and it had some bonus levels at the end that were just meant to challenge, like, the most hardcore players, like, it was just really hard, it, had a lot of insta-death traps, it it required like very precise pr platforming and what really makes this game great is the fact that the controls are just so tight, like everything is so, so, like, everything is just so polished, like, you feel, I feel like I could make really, really careful, because I'm really careful jumps without, um, without ever, ever blaming the game, which is, uh -huh. which is probably its biggest merit, just that you never feel cheated or like, or they're like, oh, that was a cheap kill. Like, oh, that's like an annoying trap. But the controls are just so tight. It's like Super Meat Boy. Like, right. Which, by the way, just confirmed is coming to Wii U. Yeah. Like, these games get away with being as hard as they are because their controls are just so spot-on perfect. Right. And that's something that, that just makes this game really fun and makes you want to keep trying again and trying again and trying again. And Medium of Super Challenge essentially, like, takes what it did in the first game and it just... Like, ramps it up to the highest difficulty possible. This is uh -huh. a game that's specifically meant for those people that 100%ed it like I did, the first one, and just want more hard levels. Like, we just want really difficult games. And I love difficult platformers. Like, they're, like, some of my favorite games to play. Right, right. Because I will try to always 100% them. And this game, like, doesn't mess around. Like, the first level could easily be, like, another game's final level. So, like, that should tell you that from the very beginning, you're going to be bombarded with like a bunch of death and this game has a death counter just because it's our it, it knows you're gonna die a lot of times by the by my third level i think i had already died like 50 times wow so that would frustrate me but you can also like pick which world you want to start in. i didn't start in the typical like there is a one one like i had played world like the first world one level one before at, yeah. um at that event we went to at e3 and also at the demo but I started on, I guess, what would be the third world. Because mm -hmm. you could just pick where you want to start. It doesn't limit you. You just go there. Right, right. And, um, I don't know, it's just really fun. Like, I actually had an issue not knowing with deciding whether I want to play it on the Wii U or the 3DS. Because if you buy one, you get the other one for free. And if you download the demo, it's only eight bucks. Like, eight something. For so, both? Yeah, for both. Oh, so wow. So, it's, it's a steal. That's like, a really good deal. And 
it looks so nice in HD because like it's very simple pixel art, but it just looks so nice and vibrant. But it also it's also one of those games that has the whole pers perspective thing, and more so this one because the levels are just so grand. Uh -huh. Um, you see the. You see the blurred out images, like everything just looks so much nicer, like when you have the things in the foreground, the background, like just going in front of you. And that would look so awesome in 3D. But it's like, do I want to play in 3D? But, or do you want to play on like a nice big screen? And your data doesn't transfer, so you do have to pick one. Ah, uh, that's a bummer. Yeah, so I ended up going with the TV because like, oh, I could play on the gamepad if all this is playing right, Fallout right. 4 or whatever. Right. Or I could play on the TV. And... I don't, I don't regret it. It's just really fun. I mean, I love Mutant Muds, and this is definitely... It, it, it's just an easy recommend, especially if you just love platformers. Yeah. Like, But you have to keep in mind this is not for the, the light of heart. Case in point, when we played this at an E3 event last summer, I never beat a single level of the demo. <laughs> yeah. It, so this really isn't for, like... You can't go in and expect, like, a piece of cake. Yep. I, yeah. I, I highly recommend it, but you do have to want and expect the challenge. I mean, they don't call it super challenge for a reason. Yeah, there's a reason behind yeah. it, definitely. Funny how my Zelda one is so long. You're just like, it's hard, but it's fun. Go buy well, I mean... It's hard. It's, it's, it, it, yeah, with a platformer it, it, that's the, just the, like, here it is. Yeah, there really isn't much yeah. to say about this game. Like, you jump, you shoot. Yeah. That's pretty much it. Jump, shoot, dodge needles. Yeah. Dodge spikes. And I mean, if, if super challenge sounds more difficult... To you, to you, the listener, than, than what you want to play. The original Mutant Muds, if you've never played it, is really good. And it has DLC now. So it's Oh, yeah, man. With, with all the DLC in the original Mutant Muds, you get a long, lengthy game yeah. with really hard levels at the end that are that get just challenging as the first few levels of this game. So you get everything. This really picks up where that left off. Yeah, yeah no, yeah. And it, it even has a story. Like, it feels like going into it, I thought it was just going to be like, all right, you know what this is. Here's just a bunch of levels have have at it yeah but they still bothered to add like a little like a little tongue-in-cheek story in the beginning just like the first one like oh there's another meteorite to investigate like there's still there's just a point a and a point b to get to right so right. which is nice like i didn't expect that it's there i mean platforming stories aren't really anything to write like, home, about, yeah, write home yeah. about but just the fact that it's there and it didn't need to is appreciated right, right oh and more than anything you can unlock um like it's like also kind of like a who's who of like indie characters so you could find hidden characters and play as them and that's kind of cool too. that's cool I like um, that a lot of indie games are like very communal yeah. with other indie games yeah, that they like, all cross reference yeah like the only one they've revealed like so far is like um they could play as Rusty from SteamWorld Dig so oh nice cool. nice I love SteamWorld Dig yep so yeah that, that's Mutant Mode Super Challenge and that brings us to the final bit of the podcast, which yep, is our which winner is... of the Pokemon contest. No, it was the... The Bowser thing yeah. will be in a minute. Hang on. Sorry. You want to do it before the winner? Okay. Um, we just saved the best for last. So Bowser. All right, no, 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 go ahead. No, no, okay, so... no, 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 I, no, I agree, I agree, I agree. All right, so we need to pick our Pokemon winner. So first of all, uh, I just looked, there are 36 entries in the contest, so thank you to everyone that entered, we appreciate it, and thank you for sharing your Pokemon memories. Um, hopefully... We, we really enjoyed reading them, so hopefully you guys like listening to us tell ours last episode as much as we enjoyed reading yours. No, yeah, it's, it's, it's nice reading, just like... Um, there are some funny ones in yeah, there. Yeah, from like super long road trips with the game, like losing sleep, like, I don't know, this is some... Um, meeting a girl through it and doing things for the first time because of it. Yeah, like that was someone else, not me. I'm po Pokemon saying. definitely touched a lot of people's lives <laughs> in, in many, many different times. Many ways, yeah, many so. ways. Led to many firsts for people. <clears throat> yep. 
But our way, so, no, but it was really fun to read. And it's interesting to see so many of you, like, have been there since the beginning, like, with red and whatnot, or blue or yellow. Um, Some of you even started with Diamond and Pearl, so that's cool, too. Yeah, that's true, that's true. But just, like, um, what was I going to say? Yeah, like, or or even there are some stories in there that, like, there are some, like, touching family moments that I would cost a Pokemon, that sort of thing. So it's cool that, like, every, it's so cool if something as universal, well, I guess it's because it's universal, but something like Pokemon can relate to so many different people in so many different ways, and all this underlying, like, interest in the same thing. But, of course, we can only pick one of you to be the winner of the $20 eShop gift card for Pokemon 20, and this being around Nintendo, we decided to do a randomly chosen winner. So, with that said, I threw everyone in a number generator, and out came comment number 14, which was by Robo, or Robo, R-O-B-B-O, so congrats. Your, his memory is actually uh, pretty funny. He has two, but the one that I want to highlight is that apparently when Pokemon Red first came out, um, one friend in his group out of everyone had the game and just constantly was bragging about, I have so many Geodudes. Like, my team of Geodudes can be, like, anything. It's like, who makes a team of just Geodudes? But, um, but yeah, that was... That guy. That guy, apparently. But, yeah, that was one of the memories he shared in his now-winning comment. Um, the other one was also apparently... When the first season has finale of the Pokemon TV show and Charmander evolved, he apparently told his friend, and I quote, this is going to change everything. And then sure enough, holographic Charizard became like the must-have Pokemon card shortly thereafter. So he's he knows what he's talking about, this robo-robo dude. So congrats, we will be emailing you your um, $20 eShop code shortly within the next few days, so keep an eye on your inbox. And thank you again to everyone who entered we greatly appreciate you sharing your memories. It was really fun to read. And also, we will have more contests, so make sure to keep following us on Twitter and subscribe to us on iTunes, especially because our next episode is a pretty big one. So we'll be back on April 3rd, and we're going to have hands-on impressions of everything Nintendo's showing at WonderCon here in L.A. next week. Next week, as of when this goes live. So that includes, we know for sure, Metroid Prime Federation Force, probably Star Fox Zero, who knows what else, but uh, maybe Kirby... Uh, who knows? So we'll have definitely Metroid, which I think everyone's going to all listen to simply because is it good? Is it bad? Is it Metroid? Like, there's so many questions, and we could hopefully shed some light on them, so or on some answers. So definitely check out that. We're also going to have our impressions, full in-depth impressions of Pokemon Tournament, which came out the weekend this podcast goes live, so a little too early to talk about it now, but we'll talk about it then. And of course, all the latest news. Um, and also, because it's WonderCon, and it's a convention, and Nintendo's there, we're going to be putting up a full photo gallery of the many gaming sites of WonderCon leading into our next episode, so keep an eye on our Twitter or on RamNintendo.com to make sure you don't miss the gallery separate from the episode. Um, our Twitter, by the way, is at RamNintendo, and you can find us on iTunes by just searching RamNintendo Podcast. And if you do that, when you subscribe, please leave us a review. Let us know what you think, what you like, what you dislike. Um, you know, the reviews help us get out to more people, which gives more opportunities for cool things for us to tell you about, like going to WonderCon, giving impressions of things, that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, pretty much does it. As always, if you want to hear our individual, see, hear, read our individual gaming thoughts, be it photos from WonderCon or thoughts on Pokémon or the fact that I now have many Magikarp Pokemon training cards because that's all the Pokemon company's giving away for Pokemon 20, I guess. Um, you can find me at JSR7 on Twitter. You can find Angel at Wero, W-E-I-R-O underscore O. That's also his Meverse handle if you want to friend or follow him there. Friend or follow me at Jason R. That just about does it. So we will see you in two weeks' time on April 3rd. And again, congrats to our Pokemon contest winner. And thank you to everyone who entered. 
it was really cool to be with Mike. Yeah. All right, so for the Melted Reason. Oh, wow, I totally forgot. You made me do the whole sign-off. <laughs> oh, you did that. You should have interrupted me sooner. Okay, I, I was, I was No, I, I was enjoying this, so... All right. You, you don't have to do the sign-off again. But anyway, I'll, I'll, I'll keep it short. This is the... <laughs> this, this, as my impressions usually are, this is a, another simple one. Um, of why Bowser's the best. Yeah, why Bowser's the best. Um, to put it simply, his colors... My favorite color... I was hoping we could just cut it right there. To put it simply, <laughs> his colors. Good night. Yeah, my, my favorite color is orange. Second favorite color is green. He's basically made up of orange and green. And also like red. And he also has red hair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, ladies and gentlemen... Compared show, to man. the other reasons I've been giving, this one definitely feels like the most tame one. But to have like a character you like also just happen to be made up of your favorite color just kind of makes them... Give them an extra 10% more of awesomeness that... You is that approximation, approximation, that 10%, or is that a hard scientific 10%? It's like, a, is that mathematically proven 10%? It's These like, are the questions our listeners need to know. This is like, um, if I had to make, like, a mental, like, percentage, like, split up of, like, the reason why I like them, 10% mm-hmm. of it would probably be the, the colors. All right, all right. Yeah. yeah, the rest of the math isn't going to add up for any of the other ones. But, yeah, it's like, yeah. where's the rest of the math factor in? But, all right, well, I'm glad that we hit the brakes on ending the podcast for color yep. reasons. All right, um, I'll let you do the sign-off, because I already signed off. I'm not even here anymore. As far as the podcast is concerned, I disappeared, so you sign off. Late people.